0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go.
1: Of
0: Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho duro Parlay hour what's happening everybody thank you so much for joining us this week my name is ken m joining me in studio as always you know him He is the co-host. His name is
2: Padawan J. Hey, uh, shout out to J.R. Smith. He might not be as boneheaded as some people like to believe. Uh, The man went back to college, uh, just got his grades in for this semester, 4.0 GPA.
0: Hey, congratulations. Yeah, shout out to him. Shout out. Yeah, 4.0 in college these days ain't easy. Definitely not, so congratulations to him on that. And you know if you're listening to this edition, we are definitely talking some sports because that's what we do here at the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on all our social media accounts. We're right there. We interact with everybody. Parlay points to the blog section of the show, which definitely is a benefit if you're listening to us in 607TWS, the T Public Store. If you need a gift for this holiday season, what better way... To support the podcast and definitely get somebody some cool swag, then check out the T Public store. Pad, am I right? Uh, you are very right. All that, so much more. ODPHPodcast.com and definitely use the hashtag ODPHPod on social media. So, kicking off the sports edition of the ODPH, we have to recap the week that was in the NFL. It's locks and leaps time. So, Pad, let's kick it off.
2: Yeah, so starting with my lock, I chose the Seattle Seahawks to defeat the Houston Texans, uh, which they did handedly by the final score of 33-13. Uh, Russell Wilson, 17 of 28 for 260 yards passing, two touchdowns, uh, no interceptions. And then on the flip side, you had Davis Mills uh, go 33 of 49 for 331 yards passing
0: and uh, just one touchdown and no interceptions. And In the word is to Nate Diaz, I'm not surprised. Seattle is a better team than the record portrays. Yes. Obviously, injuries have haunted them this entire season. When you oh, lose, yeah. You lose Russell Wilson for a good stretch of time. That is going to cripple your team. Yes. He's that good. He can make an average team a great one. Now we're kind of seeing him back in the swing of things. And yeah. obviously Houston, ah, I'm trying to find nice words. It's the holiday season. Yeah. I mean, they showed up. Yeah. They scored seven. Yeah. In the first quarter. So. Yeah. Not really too much to write about because that team is just abysmal as Davis it goes. Davis Mills
2: had a good performance. I mean, I, I gotta admit, I did not know who he was. Uh, he was a third-round draft pick this year, mm-hmm. uh, off uh, out of Stanford for the Houston Texans. Uh, for being a rookie,
0: you know, three hundred thirty-one yards against the Seahawks ain't bad. No, definitely not bad at all. But Seattle is the better team, and they showed it off. Yes, and that's and that's the whole thing because Houston is it, struggling just to get the off season. They just got to load that team and just start over. But for Seattle, this was a solid win and something, obviously, to build from going into their offseason endeavors. Because playoffs, they're just not going to make it. It's just not, not in the cards this year.
2: Mathematically, they're not eliminated, but, like, you look at it on paper and you go, yeah, they're
0: not going to make it. No, it's, it's just it's too much, t- too late. That's the problem.
2: Yeah, because right now the only teams in the entire NFL that are eliminated are the Jets, Texans, uh, Jaguars, and Lions. Yeah. So Seattle, mathematically not eliminated, but... They're five and eight, and in last place in the NFC West, so theoretically
0: they're eliminated. Yeah, theoretically they're out, and just doing the eye test. But considering how tough the NFC West is, oh Christ, yeah, and even the NFC North to a degree. I mean, Minnesota is struggling to hang on, but they're yeah. still in the, in the contention talk. The NFC Least we don't have anything nice to say about, it except Dallas. So mm-hmm. you know that's kind of a wash there. And the NFC South is what the NFC South is. So Seattle, just something to build off of going into the final stretch of the season. And with Russell Wilson, a lot of trade talk in the offseason involving yeah. him. Yeah. Pad, do you really buy into this?
2: I mean, I understand it, you know, just where Seattle is. They're not, you know, and I get injuries have been a thing this year, but they're not up to the same standard they were now. So maybe it is time to start looking forward and looking at building for the future and kind of getting ready for that time of when Russell won't be there. Mm. And, and better to get your value, you know, better to get your value now while the commodity is hot before the proverbial wheels fall off and you won't get anything for him right now, Russell Wilson will get a, get a team, a uh, shitload of draft picks to give up for him, mm-hmm. you know, and Lord knows how many players and money and everything else will be involved. If you, you know, God forbid, if you wait a year, two years, three years, the same might not be said for then. So I don't fault Seattle's front office for exploring the possibility just to see what they can get. And, and, you know, put the feelers out there, so it doesn't entirely surprise me.
0: It doesn't surprise me that much. I mean, obviously, Wilson has done great work out in Seattle. Yeah. Made them a perennial playoff team.
2: Mm-hmm. Household name outside of, hey, that's the team I
0: beat in Madden every week. Exactly. So, if Seattle wants to explore this option, obviously, at this stage of his career, it's not a bad one to take a look at and at least entertain. I don't think you're going to have a toxic situation like no. you do in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers God, in their no. front office. So this one is just something I think that he has been lightly hinting at, which we've had little inklings here and there, that he wouldn't mind leaving, but he's not asking to go yeah. either. Because Seattle is in a very weird transitional phase. I mean, obviously, Russell has been very public about they want some help on the team. Yeah, that wouldn't hurt. And obviously, we all know that offensive line hey. is atrocious. The running game has never existed, even though – Rashad Penny did have 137 yards, but then again, we have to remember, it's the Texans. Yeah,
2: and it's also been a running back by committee for the entire season for Seattle. Mm-hmm. And they really haven't had a solid – you know, I know they've had Carson, you know, the last couple of years, but have they really had a consistent running back since Marshawn?
0: No, I mean, that's the question. I I don't think you can say so. I mean, Seattle has always had some great running backs there, Sean Alexander, Marshawn yeah. Lynch. But they've been really missing that key element of that offense, which that is a big stable of Pete Carroll's offense uh-huh. scheme. So, you know, when you don't have that running game, a lot of that's on your quarterback. But that shows how good Russell is. And that's why looking at this offseason, which we know Pittsburgh is going to be in that conversation, the New York football giants are going yeah. to be in that conversation. Yeah. It's something the Seattle at least has to explore. Yeah, But this is not something to hit the panic button and to really put a lot of fear in Seattle fans right now. No,
2: I, th- I think it's just Russell saying, hey – If you want to
0: do it, I'm all right with it. Yeah. And I think at this stage, the players understand it's a business. Once you start becoming a professional, whatever you are in a business, it goes away from being a sport. It's your everyday job. Mm -hmm. Things are different on that side of the desk. So it's something that he knows is coming up, and obviously looking at their schedule coming in the offseason, trying to finish this season out on a strong note is what he's going to be looking to do.
2: Yeah, and uh, their next couple games, they've got the L.A. Rams coming up this week. Uh, Then they've got the Bears, Lions, and Cardinals.
0: Oh, my. (laughs) So that being said, it's going to be a little tough stretch for him. but this is also proven for the offseason moves, and that's something Seattle definitely wants to put an exclamation on. Houston just wants to get through the end of the season. Yeah, I don't think there's anything we really got to discuss about them. Just hopefully everybody gets through injury free, and then they have got arguably the most work to do this off season. And they, whatever you're doing with Deshaun Watson,
2: they need a head coach. They need an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, quarterback, offensive line, receiving core, tight end, running back, defense. They need a, like they need a lot.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a very very unique to put it mildly off season for the Texans.
2: I think they even need a kicker. They need
0: lots. That's the easiest way to say it. They they just need lots. They got a big laundry list. Oh, it is. And I definitely don't want to be responsible for that bill. I'd rather go talk about what was going on with your leap.
2: Yeah. So my leap was the Baltimore Ravens over the Cleveland Browns because I figured, hey, Cleveland's not going to, or uh, Baltimore's not going to, you know, lose two in a row. I think they'll be able to bounce back. And, you know, they almost did. Were are not for an injury. They might've pulled it off mm-hmm. uh, because Cleveland won by the final score of 24 to 22. Uh, Baker Mayfield uh, went 22 of 32 for 190 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Lamar Jackson only went four of four for 17 yards, no touchdowns or interceptions because he went down with an injury. He was carted off. Uh, so you had Tyler Huntley take over and lead the team to uh, 27 of thirty. Thirty-eight for two hundred and seventy yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions.
0: Yo, I don't know if this is a case of a Ravens team that is really good that they hung in this game, or the Browns pulling one over on Baltimore because you'd figure with Lamar Jackson out, this game should have been lopsided towards Cleveland. Uh huh. Even though it's division, we have to remember that. But I think they got one over on them because Baltimore almost won this with their backup.
2: Yeah, and I mean I'm looking at the box score. At halftime it was 24 to 6 mm. in favor of Cleveland. And Cleveland got shut out the entire second half whereas Baltimore put up uh 16 points. So I think this is a case of Cleveland not taking Baltimore seriously just because Lamar's not there. Mm. You know, you've got Tyler Huntley who is a, he's a rookie out of Utah, you know, he's only 23 years old, you know, so this is probably his first you know, game action that we've seen, you know, outside of garbage time. Yeah, you know, so I think this is a case of Cleveland didn't take him seriously. They're like, oh, Lamar's gone. out. Oh, we we know this guy ain't nothing. We can, we can take this lightly. We can ease up on this. We don't got to worry about. It. Oh shit, uh, the score's almost tied. We got to turn it back on.
0: It's the one thing about the NFL that I know it's cliche at this stage, but any given Sunday, anything can happen. Uh huh. And I think that for the teams that think they can just completely turn it on and just run over a weekend team, yeah, they're finding there's more parity in the league than they originally planned. Yeah, this is
2: why you you see a lot of teams, especially the great teams, that if they happen to be running up the score or have a big margin on that game, they won't pull the starting quarterback or some of the starters until it's absolutely guaranteed that the other team ain't going to come back.
0: Exactly, because you never know what's going to happen, and that's why I say – Baltimore almost pulled one off on them. And that's the thing, that they were very gritty. And obviously, this is a long-storied rivalry, too. Yeah. You knew both teams were going to show up for this. You know it's, it was going to be hard-hitting. It definitely was. Oh, yeah. But for Baltimore, I would feel – I don't want to say this was a good loss, but at least you know that you could hang with a contender. Yeah. Yeah. With your backup. Now, obviously, we're not sure as we're recording what the status is going to be of Lamar Jackson.
2: Last I heard was that the plan outside of anything changing
0: was for him to play. Okay. So, tentatively, he should be back. So, this should get Baltimore back on its usual routine. Yeah. If not, Huntley looks serviceable. Yeah. And especially against the Browns team, which on paper should be a lot better. But let's face it, once you get on that Sunday field – Anything goes, and they definitely were not shutting anybody down. Their defense did look great, though. Miles Garrett had a day. Oh yeah, but overall, Cleveland. This is one thing that you never know what you're going to get with them. I don't want to say they're like on that Atlanta level, yeah. where you don't like you legitimately don't know what team's going to show up. I said th- Well, I think in that
2: case, it's a Chargers level.
0: Yeah, I say you're closer to the Chargers level on this one. Baker Mayfield had a had a very serviceable game. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, a buck ninety, two touchdowns, one interception. That's that's not bad. Right, but this was a, a win for him and that team that desperately needed it. Because now the AFC playoff race is getting all types of jumbled up.
2: Yeah, I I will say I think this is a bad loss for Cleveland just because once Lamar left the game, it should have been over. Mm -hmm. And I would say this is a good loss for Baltimore because Lamar is a very dynamic player. He makes a lot happen with his legs and his arms. But not having him there and having this result shows you, hey, Lamar does a lot for you, but you've got a real solid team outside of him that you can hang with a team when you're dynamic starting quarterback isn't in the game
0: yeah it's just something that Cleveland like I said they almost had one pulled off this the big surprise on them yeah that if if you're not ready this is what gets you bouncing the playoffs first round yeah and for Cleveland who still has a good chance about making it but it's they're gonna need a lot of help it's the AFC North nobody wants to win this goddamn thing exactly
2: because the the first place in this division changes on the weekly
0: but it goes to show even with Pittsburgh in that mix too how solid each team is. Yeah. Like we talked about in the preview episode of the season, Cincinnati was going to be a surprise for everybody as long as they stayed healthy. Yeah. Cleveland should be a lot better than they are statistically, but listen, coaching issues and player yeah. issues. Yeah. And you haven't had that consistency. Baltimore, we knew, it was going to be solid. Even at eight and five, you still got like their chances about making some noise yeah. when they get the postseason.
2: Yeah, so you got Baltimore eight and five, Cleveland seven and six, Cincinnati seven and six, and then you've got Pittsburgh eight six and one. Uh, and then looking at the AFC playoff standings, you've got uh, there they are Baltimore in fourth place because hey, they're division leader. Mm-hmm. Cleveland is in the eighth spot. Uh, Cincinnati is in the. Cincinnati's in the ninth spot. Cleveland is in the eighth spot because they win the tiebreaker over Denver based on head-to-head win percentage. Uh, and the division tiebreak was initially used to eliminate Cincinnati. Cleveland wins the tiebreak over Cincinnati based on head-to-head win percentage. And then you've got Pittsburgh right there. Like, hey, they're eight. They're uh, uh, or excuse me. They're six six and one. Uh,
0: and they have a record. Uh, and they are in the eleventh spot. Mm. Well, that being said, you know how tough this division is. I mean, Pittsburgh, yeah, they're they're done. We, we don't even have to worry about them. But they're still going to scrap every game. Yeah. And that's what Steelers football is. Uh-huh. But for the Ravens and Browns, every game is really going to be amplified that much more going into this playoff season.
2: Neither of them have an re- easy remaining schedule. Holy fuck. Break it down. Cleveland has the Vegas Raiders at home this coming weekend, and then they go up to Green Bay to play the Packers on Christmas Day. Uh, after that, they uh, travel out to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers uh, week 17. And then week 18, uh, they finish at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Ew. Then you've got Baltimore, who this coming Sunday are at home against the Green Bay Packers. Then they travel out to Cincinnati to play the Bengals in week 16. Week 17, they're at home against the Rams. And then week 18, they're at home against the Steelers.
0: That is a brutal stretch yikes, for both. The AFC North is going to be up for grabs, so that's why games like this mean so much.
2: I'm going to pull up Cincy's schedule, so you could, honest to God, you could see Cincy sneak through this and win off the win the division. Let me pull up there. Oh crap, Jesus! This is going to be real interesting because Cincy's uh, remaining four games are uh, their next week. They're at Denver. Uh, Then the week after that, they have two uh, back-to-back home games, one against Baltimore, the other against Kansas City, Mm. and then their game, last game of the season, is in Cleveland.
0: That could be very no. interesting. That could be very interesting for their playoffs hopes. As long as they stay healthy, yeah. they have a very, very good chance. But they're starting to get a little banged up. That's yeah. the only thing that would worry me as a Bengals fan right now. Yeah. Because once they start having the injury bug hit them, as bad as it has the past few years, the, the chances of them getting into the playoffs are going to be tight. Uh-huh. They're going to be tight. But it's not unheard of. No. But especially for the battle that is the AFC North. I no. mean, I, it's anybody's guess right now. Baltimore, you got to be feeling pretty good about this, even with a loss. Yeah, it's a good It's a good loss. It's a good loss because you hung with a team that outright should have beat you. Oh, yeah. This is a bad win for Cleveland, but it's still a win nevertheless. And then, as they're going to be moving forward, too, they got to face those Raiders. Yeah. Which is, they're going to come in with a little chip on their shoulder. I figured that they might have had... A little something in the tank for Kansas City, but unfortunately, I was wrong. So for my leap this week, yeah, this Yay. was not good. Pat, you want to break it down?
2: Yeah, so Kansas City won by the final score of forty-eight to nine. Uh, Patrick Mahomes went twenty of twenty-four for two hundred and fifty-eight yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Derek Carr thirty-three of forty-five for two hundred and sixty-three yards passing, one touchdown, one interception.
0: All right, so Pat, let me ask you this because I heard this all over sports talk radio past couple days. Yeah. Is Kansas city back and your super bowl favorite from the AFC?
2: They're getting there. You know, they're not necessarily the dynamic, you know, drop points on you at any point in the game. And, you know, looking real sexy, you know, okay. They've put up 40 something points on the, on the Raiders twice. That's great. But like, they're not doing it on a week to week basis. They're looking better than they did. Are they my pick to get to the super bowl? no, I I think there's a couple of teams in the AFC that were they to go up against them and have to travel into their stadiums because right now, Kansas, you know, I think if you got far enough in the playoffs, Kansas City wouldn't have a home game. And to my recollection, I don't think Patrick Mahomes has played a rogue game in the playoffs in his career. You know, I I think the one time Kansas City made it there was with Alec, uh was in Foxborough, mm, was with Alex Smith. Smith. After every time in the playoffs after that, it's been Patrick Mahomes and it's been a home game. So I think if you get Patrick Mahomes out of the comfort of Arrowhead and into some place, you know, hell, Foxborough in fucking January, middle of January, I don't know if he can do it. You know, just because it's a whole different animal. So they're they're on their way back and they're looking better than they did. But they're not, my, they're not my new pick to get to the Super Bowl.
0: They are not my pick to get to the Super Bowl. They definitely showed up for this game. And being a rivalry game, and especially one thing I did not notice before, the Raiders went out to the 50-yard line before the game oh, yeah. and had a huddle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now knowing that and watching how the Chiefs came out swinging in that first quarter, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And obviously, the Raiders have struggled since John Gruden has left the team. Uh huh. This is a completely different team than we saw coming out the beginning of the season.
2: Yeah, like you said, the Raiders had a, a huddle at midfield on the Chiefs logo prior to the game, and I saw something on Twitter, and I can't remember the exact quotage, but like they didn't make it back to said logo until like after halftime.
0: It was insane to see just what Kansas City was implementing in this. Yeah, and especially for the Raiders. I got to agree with what Rich from 3FN is always saying, too. Derek Carr is not the guy. No. He has shown – we always throw in the phrase flashes of brilliance. Yeah. He might be the king of them. Yeah. Because when he shows up in balls, he is good. Yeah. But, my God, he looked lost out there in this game. Yeah. Granted, his line was not giving him a ton of help. Josh Jacobs was having some issues, too. This was not the Raiders team that we saw that hung with them all last year and really was the force to be reckoned with at the beginning of this year.
2: So he had no trouble finding Hunter Renfro, 13 catches, 117 yards. But everybody else, it's like you stuck him in the middle of an open field and he couldn't throw to him. You know, Josh Jacobs only had five catches. Zay Jones, five catches. Brian Edwards, two catches. Deshaun Jackson, one catch. Peyton Barber, two catches. Foster Moreau, three catches. Trey Rigas two catches. Like, you need you, Hunter Renfro's great and all, but
0: you can't throw to him all day. Renfro is the diamond in the rough on this team. Yeah. I've seen them play numerous times. He is like that Cole Beasley type. Yeah. He will get open when you need him, uh, much like your guy uh, Edelman. Edelman. He is that guy for the Raiders. He's great. And if he was actually on a team that had a little better quarterback play consistently, he'd be putting up Cooper Cup numbers. Mark my words. Mm. But with the Raiders, it's just so polarizing to watch them because – When they're good, they're good, and they should be able to contend. But this one, Kansas City just came out swinging, got the jump on them, obviously from a fumble, ran back within the first minute of the game. Yeah. When they set the tone, it was tough to come back from. I didn't really see, though, Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes of old, though. Yeah. And that's the one takeaway I'm going to say from this. This is a great win for Kansas City. Don't get me wrong. They definitely implemented their will. This Raiders team is not the same Raiders team, though, that we've seen. No. But I would not crown Kansas City the Super Bowl AFC representative just yet. No. I'm not there with them. I thought they did what every good team does against a bad team, and that beat them, and beat them pretty well. Yeah. Granted, there was a little more incentive after the huddle dance. Yeah. But they got the job done. But I did not really look at this team and go, man, this is the offensive juggernaut that everybody's was fearing was going to come back. I mean, the Raiders did keep Tyreek Hill in check under 100 yards. Yeah. And they definitely shut down Travis Kelsey. Oh, yeah,
2: Travis Kelsey, uh, three catches, 27 yards, no touchdowns. And he was only targeted four times.
0: But still, I mean, for Patrick Mahomes, that's his two go tos. Yeah. If you hold them underneath 100 yards, you should win that game outright.
2: Well, and I know everyone's talking about Josh Gordon getting a touchdown, which hey, great. But it, two catches, nine
0: yards. Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't. Like, I, hey, it's a
2: it's a feel good story that the man came back for like the ninth time and caught a touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes. But like, hey, it's Patrick Mahomes. I could run a route in the NFL and he could throw me a touchdown pass. Yeah. You know, but two catches, nine yards. You know, like I said, they're on their way and they're looking better than they did. But am I ready to sit there and go? That's my team. That, that's the AFC reps. No.
0: No, I definitely see him facing a tougher team like Baltimore or even Tennessee. Or even uh, New England. Or New England, too. Having a real tough time with them. I really do. I think that their defenses will give Patrick Mahomes some fits. And I don't think that this is the same old Mahomes that was surprising everybody yeah. with the behind-the-back passes and whatever. Yeah, do that in the playoff against a, a Belichick team.
2: I'll say the other thing we got to remember, too, is Patriots haven't played the Chiefs this year. They won't play the Chiefs this year. Played them last year held him in check until like halftime, I forget what it was. That was with nine or ten of our defensive starters sitting out the year because of COVID mm-hmm. that we held them in check until about halftime. And I, I remember sitting there watching that game because I think it was a Sunday night game. And I'm like, you have to score. You can only keep Mahomes contained for so long. And, the, and they didn't. But with the offense the New England Patriots have now and the defense is what it is, that is what it is. And as good as they are with all of their defensive starters back, you know, and as well as they're playing, they're going to get, they would give Kansas City fits in New England in January.
0: I'll give you a point spread. I take the Pats with seven. I'd take that. I'd take them seven outright if they were going to match up today. That's how confident I feel about the Patriots beating Kansas City because I'm sorry. I thought this is a good win. Yeah. And obviously 48 points. I know it's a blowout. It's a bad team. Yeah, exactly. It's against a bad team. I still haven't seen this quality play against playoff contenders. Yep, and I'm sorry, the Raiders are not at this stage. They are not. I hate saying this, but yeah. it's a whole different team. I'm sorry because I'm looking at their schedule uh, of the teams that are in playoff contention
2: right now. Uh, they beat Cleo and Cleveland, Cleveland's still technically in playoff contention. Mm-hmm. Lost to Baltimore. Lost to the Chargers. Lost to Buffalo. Lost to Tennessee. They beat Green Bay, although asterisk. That without was, Aaron Rodgers. Without Aaron Rodgers. They beat Dallas, which, hey, congratulations. You know, so you got, you got not a good
0: record there. Three and four against the playoff teams. That's the way I count it. Yeah. And two of them were with asterisks, too, the wins. Yeah. So you have to, to throw that all together, and that's why I say, for everybody that's screaming it's going to be Kansas City versus Tampa Bay against in the Super Bowl, ah, pump the brakes just a little bit. The AFC is a lot better than you think it is. Mm -hmm. So I would not exactly be willing to crown Kansas City, especially after a blowout loss like this. I'm sorry. Looking at the remainder of their schedule, it's not exactly a slam dunk either.
2: Uh, No, so this coming Sunday, uh, they're going to uh, Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Uh, Then they have a home game against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week 16. 17, they're going out to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. Uh, Week 18, they're going out to Denver to play the Broncos.
0: Broncos looked like the only easy game on that schedule. Uh huh. So Kansas City, little challenge facing you forward. Yep. And the Raiders. I mean, obviously the season is going to be done. Yeah. I hate saying this. Like I say, I hope everybody hears the pain in my voice about yeah. this. Last place in the AFC West,
2: six and seven record uh, in the AFC. They are currently in the twelfth position.
0: Yeah. So it's going to be a tough road for them. I know mathematically still in the in the talk there, but yeah. There's still a lot of teams ahead of them. And after that performance on Sunday, I mean, I, I just don't see how this team is going to bounce back.
2: They, they I think they essentially need to win out with a lot of help. Uh, so for the rest of their games, they are going to Cleveland to play the Browns. Uh, this is on this coming Saturday, I should note. Uh, week 16, they have a home game against the Denver Broncos. Week 17, they are going out to Indianapolis to play the Colts. And then week eighteen, uh, they are closing out at home against the LA Chargers. So they essentially, I would say, without reading anything or doing math or anything, they need to win out with a ton of help.
0: Yeah, so I mean anything is possible, but Different I think Kevin Garnett. Yeah, but I think it, this is improbable. So yep. we're gonna have to rule them out. It's not a time for them to relax. Unlike Aaron Rodgers. Oh boy. Who still has taken stake in the city of Chicago. Uh huh. Increasing his ownership. Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgers things. I think
2: at this point he owns part of the Cubs, White Sox, and
0: Bulls. Oh my God. He has just put on a performance. And I know people were worried about because I guess their record after a bye week is not so hot.
2: Yeah, I heard something to the tune of that too. Yes,
0: but Aaron Rodgers decided to say, I am not listening to anybody. I'm just going to do what I do best. Aaron Rodgers decided to say, fuck your
2: statistics.
0: Exactly. Break it down, Pat.
2: Uh, So yeah, Packers won by the final score of 45 to 30 uh Aaron Rodgers 29 of 37 and 341 yards passing four touchdowns no interceptions helping my fantasy team out same here uh then you had Justin Fields for Chicago 18 of 33 224 yards passing two touchdowns two interceptions
0: Chicago it's bad uh-huh it's real bad.
2: You got David Montgomery as a running back who ain't bad. You know, I picked him up in fantasy this week because I needed a back because injuries and COVID, but, you know, David Montgomery's
0: okay. This is one of those situations at the end of the season you got to implode the team.
2: Hey, let's not forget they have Jimmy Graham on their team.
0: Exactly. I
2: forget that every every uh, year, all of the last couple of years.
0: Well, considering about where they should be at this stage in the game, uh huh, they just have not lived up to performance. Their offense is anemic. There is nothing to it.
2: Yeah, well, I'd say i willing to bet he doesn't have that great of an offensive line uh, for Justin Fields to really get anything done.
0: And especially being a rookie, this
2: I don't feel it's it's oh, right to say... Hell. Oh, fucking hell, he's got sacked 33 times.
0: Yeah, I don't want to feel it's fair to say hey. this is like on the Tua disservice to happen to him in the beginning of the season of his career. Oh, yeah, yeah. But there are parallels. Yeah. A little bit. I yeah. mean, obviously... They've been doing the quarterback carousel out in Chicago, which I— was oh,
2: not that because of injury? Like, he got hurt, and they put Dalton in there, but then Dalton got concussed, so they put Fields back in there. It wasn't necessarily a full-blown Fitzpatrick Tua, because that was egregious. This, I think, yeah. this I think was at least a little merit-based in that Fields got hurt, so they put Dalton—no, so, Dalton started the season.
0: Yeah, Dalton started, and then— Then
2: he got hurt. And they put Fields in, so then Fields got hurt, and they put Dalton back in. Dalton got concussed, and that's when they put Fields back in. I could be missing a few in there, but that's the ones I remember.
0: It's just one of those weird things they've been doing out there. But let's face it, Chicago has not been Chicago in quite some time. Chicago hasn't been Chicago since they went to the Super Bowl. Honestly, that is uh, uh, no lies detected there. And it's just it's sad because I mean, for for being a historic franchise as they are, oh yeah, they just cannot put it together right now. And it's just such a mess out there that you have to go through at the end of the season and really decide, is Matt Nagy the guy? I think they should get rid of him. I'm oh, sorry.
2: Yeah, no, he needs to go.
0: I don't want to see anybody get fired and lose a job, but let's face it, he's not the guy to lead this organization. Yep. He's not. Yep. For being such you know a guru, uh, where is it? Uh-huh. This offense looks, like I said, anemic, if I can use that terminology. Oh, no, you can. There's no signs of anything to this to spark your fan base to get excited about you with that side of the ball. So Justin
2: Fields' statistics, uh, he has 1,585 yards passing on the season, which is good for 31st in the league. Six touchdowns, which is tied for 30th in the league. Uh, Ten interceptions, which is tied for 18th in the league. And then he has a QBR of 27.3,
0: which is good for 31st in the league. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just so bad out there.
2: Yeah, no. which, I mean, I think you can hold on to Fields for at least a couple more seasons. You have to
0: give Fields another chance. you like, got to
2: give him a shot. you got to give him a decent running big game because he was the leading rusher on Sunday with nine carries, 74 yards, no touchdowns. Like I said, Montgomery ain't bad. You know, he's he's an okay running back, but you need something a little better behind him. And then you just need something to throw to. I mean, Demir Bird, two catches, 76 yards, one touchdown, was your leading receiver. You know, then you had Jakeem Grant Sr. one catch, 46 yards with one touchdown. Like, I'm looking at the the receivers they got. Allen Robinson's the only one that jumps out to me for like a people who usually pick up for fantasy. Mm. He only had two catches, fourteen yards, no touchdowns. You've got Jimmy fucking Graham on this team who had whoop, where'd it go? Uh two t- t- catches, nine yards, no touchdowns. For the season, folks, and now he could have been injured, I'm not sure. But for the season, he has nine catches. 108 yards and two touchdowns.
0: Well, you gotta remember, Jimmy Graham ain't the Jimmy Graham old when he was this in, is true. in New Orleans. Like this that, is true. There, there is a difference. Like people gotta remember too, and like he was great at his time, but now it's it, just being out in Chicago is. There's no signs of anything happening there. That they're really gotta go this offseason. and I can't stress this enough. They need to really tear this team down from top to bottom and rebuild. Yeah, Fields is a good corner piece to start with. Yeah, I'm. I think that he deserves another chance. He needs some more weapons around him. In fact, he needs a better offensive line because how many Uh times has he been sacked this season? 33. Yeah, that is not something you want to be part of a 30-30 club about. Just saying. He needs more protection so he can actually maybe show signs of life here. He did give them a quick spark early in the season, but, but obviously when you're hit this many times, you're not going to do anything, and especially if you're going up against one of the GOATs. Yeah. And Mr. Aaron Rodgers, who's on the I Hate Everybody Tour. Yeah, he is. I'm going to make a point to get to the Super Bowl by myself. I don't care about anybody else. Look, he's he, the kid has no chance to win right here. Yeah, Rodgers turned it on when he needed to, and obviously Green Bay – is looking very, very good going into the postseason.
2: Yeah, uh, I also was curious, so I pulled it up. Uh, Justin Fields is currently fourth in the NFL in terms of sacks. The only people ahead of him are Ryan Tannehill from Tennessee with 37.
0: That's shocking to me.
2: Lamar Jackson from Baltimore with 38, and then Joe Burrow uh, with 41 are the only ones ahead of them but no yeah i mean you you look at the uh nfc north you've got green bay first place 10 and 3 minnesota's uh in second place six and seven chicago's third four and nine and hey yeah, yeah detroit's there too uh and then you look at the uh nfc conference uh playoff standings Green Bay sitting in first place, mm-hmm. uh, and they win the tiebreaker over because them, Tampa Bay, and Arizona all have the same record. Uh, Green Bay is in first place because they win the tiebreaker over Arizona and Tampa Bay best-on-best best win percentage in conference games.
0: Rodgers, man.
2: The, the, the NFC runs through Green Bay, and it's fucking cold in Green Bay in January.
0: Oh, I, I could say he definitely wants that rematch with Brady. Uh-huh. He wants that in the worst way possible because if, and I stress – if this is it for him in Green Bay, he wants to give them a chip on the way out the door. Oh, yeah. Now, we don't know what's going to happen in the offseason. Obviously, there's a lot of speculation going on right now. A lot of Hit, rumors. Him to Pittsburgh is gaining a lot of heat if you want to buy into it. Yeah. But you also have to think, if he wins a Super Bowl, could he walk away from that city? I don't know. I think so.
2: I I genuinely, legitimately think so. That I think things with the front office have gotten that bad. That barring some sort of miracle and something miraculous happening with with the front office and his relationship, I honestly think he could. I I wouldn't like to see it, and it'd be weird as shit to see him in any other uniform other than Green Bay. It'd be Tom Brady, Peyton Manning level of, like, it's weird to not see them in that usual jersey. mm mm-hmm. But given how bad it is that he held out and sat out for as long as he was, that he threatened to retire and go host Jeopardy, yeah. that he was ready, that I genuinely, legitimately think he, he would seriously leave.
0: Can you imagine if he decided to go like old school NWO style and just go on the victory parade and just in the middle of the, the parade, just rip the shirt off and he has the new jersey on? Oh, my God. Like, well, it. And
2: that's and this is the shitty thing for Green Bay. Because unlike the Favre situation where Green Bay had a little bit. Favre, if you don't remember, wanted to go to Minnesota before he left Green Bay. And because Green Bay held all the poker chips in that scenario, so they really controlled his future and could dictate where he went. That's why he went to the Jets for a year. Mm -hmm. And then he ended up in Minnesota. You know, this ain't the case with Rodgers. Rodgers is the one holding the chips in this scenario. He can go wherever he damn well pleases.
0: It's an interesting predicament that he's in. Because now, I mean, he wins, and obviously the fans are happy. And if with that defense playing way better than they've done in recent years, uh huh, I think it goes very under the radar too about how well Green Bay's defense has played. Yeah, this team is poised to make a run. And they should as long as everybody stays healthy. Yeah. I mean, looking at the remainder of their schedule, I yeah. mean, they got some games ahead of them, though. Yeah,
2: so uh, this coming Sunday, uh, they are in Baltimore playing the Ravens. Then they've got a home game against the Cleveland Browns in Week 16. Week 17, they have another home game against the Minnesota Vikings. And then Week 18, they are traveling to Detroit to play the Lions.
0: I wonder if they will sit Rogers for that one. I
2: think it depends on... They could, but I think it all depends on if the playoffs like if they've if got the if the seat if they've got their seating locked down, they're like they know they're going to be the one or they know they're going to be the two that there's not going to be any change with that. Yes. But I think if it's still up in the air that there's still a chance they could go one way or the other, they'll play them.
0: I think it's something they gotta consider though, with the extra week added in this year, yeah, that that's something that we are not talking about a lot, but yeah. I know obviously when you start resting players for the playoffs, that has to be taken into consideration. So oh, yeah depending on how a team is feeling about their seeding, you might see a lot of people sitting in week 18.
2: No, yeah, because I think the last week of bye weeks was this week, and I know the Patriots were off this week because a buddy of mine asked, oh, what, who are you guys playing this week? I'm like, we're off. He's like, wait, are you serious? I go, yeah, you got the added week, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the year. So this is the latest bye games have been this year. So I think any team having, you know, it's in playoff contention that had a bye week this week, you're looking real sexy. Yeah. You know, but I'm looking at uh, Arizona's remaining games, you know, just because, hey, it's them, Green Bay. In Tampa Bay, Arizona's last few games are at Detroit, uh, home against Indianapolis, at Dallas, and then home against Seattle. So, boy, that'll be interesting. Uh, and then the Bucs' uh, remaining schedule are at home against New Orleans, in Carolina, uh, in New York to play the Jets, so LOL, uh, and then at home against the Panthers to close out the year.
0: Interesting schedule to finish everything out, man. It's going to be an absolute race to the end.
2: Uh-huh, because that, that Bucks schedule... There's one game in there that might give them issues, and that's against New Orleans uh, because uh, they the one other time they played this year was the 36-27 loss uh, in Week 8. So that's that's the only game I think I could see being competitive. The
0: rest of them, yeah, not so much. Definitely not so much. So let's take a quick lap around the league and close this segment out. Uh, Pittsburgh took an L to Minnesota. Hey. little wild scenario there. Shout-out Chase Claypool. <sighs> Where did he go to college? Uh, I, Notre Dame. Oh yeah, that's true. He's a coach guy.
2: That's that Notre Dame. Uh, that's that Notre Dame smarts. Uh, I,
0: lending you credit. I know. I was so hoping Coach came down through for this episode, but and uh, if you
2: haven't seen the promo, Ryan Clark cut on him on Get Up on ESPN, which that's what it was. That was a promo. Yeah, nothing wrong was said by Ryan Clark.
0: Absolutely not. I agree with everything he said about that. Listen, you gotta be smarter in those kind of situations.
2: You got you gotta go Larry Fitzgerald on it, running back to the ref to hand him the ball, running back to the line of scrimmage to get ready because hey, you ain't got time to screw around.
0: No, and the fact that you decided to go taunt—I yeah. mean, seriously—you cost your yeah. team that game, and yeah, I'm sorry. Maybe they do this at Notre Dame. I don't know, but Ooh. this is one of those situations that he's gotta be smarter about this when he's in the pros uh-huh. and moving forward with it. Pittsburgh, I mean, their season's done. Yep. I mean, I hate saying it, but that tie was already kind of the... Screwing them over. Yeah, one of the nails in the coffin, and I think this game definitely put them away. So nothing real nice to say about there. Atlanta. Who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta won. Hey. 29 to 21. Doesn't against happen a often. Very depleted Carolina team. So let's see, going around the board. New Orleans beat the Jets 30 to 9. I mean, at
2: this point, who hasn't beat
0: the Jets? Yeah, I know. We don't have to really elaborate too much about that. Tennessee shut out those Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban Meyer still on the payroll as we we're recording. Yeah, I mean that's all you can really say about that game.
2: Uh, payroll subject to change though.
0: Yeah, so stay tuned. Dot dot dot. Dallas defeated their division rival, the Washington Football Team, twenty-seven to twenty. Denver beat Detroit thirty-eight to ten. Those Los Angeles Chargers. Hey, took it to those New York Football Giants, thirty-seven twenty-one. Shout out Mike Lennon. Yes. <sighs> Rough game, uh-huh. rough, rough game, in an overtime thriller, San Francisco took one from Cincinnati, twenty six to twenty three. Two former Patriot quarterbacks went on uh, OT game winning drives. Just want to say this was insane. Like I, I was sitting there watching this game, and I'm like, San Francisco is really hanging in here, uh-huh. and, and especially they were up, but you know, give credit to Cincinnati. This was a fun game to watch, if oh you did get a yeah. chance to. And well, that's why we say with those Bengals, if they're healthy. And they get into that postseason, uh huh, I would be slightly scared about this. Like I said when I earlier when I read off the schedules, you know,
2: for the Browns, the Bengals, and then the Ravens, I could vi- as rough as the Browns and Ravens have it, I could see the Bengals sneaking through and winning the division.
0: Oh, absolutely. I can definitely see that happening too. Like I say, don't sleep on them. That's what we said in the preview episode. Those Los Angeles Rams defeated Arizona thirty to twenty three. Yeah. And I know everybody's saying about OBJ and blah blah blah. Like, listen, this was a hard fought game. I'm glad for Stafford. Yeah. He finally got some help. Arizona made a lot of mistakes in this game, though. A lot of mental errors. So this is something for as well as they played this year, they gotta clean up. Because especially if you're making this many mental mistakes at the end of the season. Yeah. I'm not saying hit the panic button. It's a good reality check. But it's a pause for concern. I will say that.
2: You know, it's, it's a good reality check for Arizona so that they're not starting to buy into their own, you know, you know what.
0: Yeah, Murray and Kingsbury definitely need to reassess a few things. Yeah. Not saying this was like, oh, my God, the sky is falling. Right. But this is a game that really had some very big importance to it. And coming up short, not the best look. No. But there is one game I wanted to close with. And that was in Tampa Bay. Uh huh. Tom Brady and those Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Buffalo Bills thirty-three to twenty-seven. I was hilariously
2: off last week when I said that like Brady's beating the Bucks twenty something times. I was off by like ten. Mm-hmm. He's beating the Bills thirty something times now.
0: No, it's ridiculous. No, oh, yeah, no. I mean, the early half of his career. Let's face it, Buffalo was bad, real bad. True. This game, though. I don't know if we should put the disclaimer out. I think I'll keep you calm. All right. This game, the Bills were down 24-3 at halftime. Yep. I contemplated turning the game off. Yeah. I will admit, I I got back watching the game from uh, my local establishment I went to with Rich from 3FN because we usually watch the games uh, for the Sunday ticket. I went back home to watch this, and I was sitting there going, what are we doing on offense? Yeah, and, and admittedly,
2: I wasn't going to watch this game just because I don't root for Buffalo. I don't, sure. I don't root for Tom Brady. You know, So I wasn't going to watch the game, but then a bunch of people in our locks and leaps group were picking Buffalo, including Coach, and you were feeling a certain type of way that you're like, God damn it, Coach, don't curse my team. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you're fucking going to make me watch this game just to see how this goes.
0: And I'm glad I did. Yeah, because I will tell you this. The first three quarters absolutely sucked. And I'm not saying this is a Bills fan. But the Bills, as an overall team, looked all over the place. Uh They had no rhythm on offense. The defense really was struggling on every single play. They just looked very lost. Like They did not focus and hone it in. That's why Tampa Bay got 24 on them. Say
2: Buffalo also didn't have Buffalo looked to solve his running game issues from the week prior, but not having a running back get a carry until like the second half.
0: Exactly. And this is why I can't stand how Brian Dabble called the game. And I'm sorry. His play calling doing uh, we'll, we'll, th- we'll throw it in wrestling terms. Sure. This 50 50 booking stuff he does. Between we'll do one half, I'll run, and the other half, I'll pass, is not working. No. Because that's how it's coming across to me. Or one quarter, we'll pass, and then we'll run for two quarters, and then we'll come back and pass. That's what you do when you're new, new playing Madden. It's not working. And we saw it happen right here. Because what is the one thing I've been saying all season with Josh Allen? You know what? It wouldn't kill you to fake a pass and run. Yeah. Lo and behold, fourth quarter, we finally decided to come to that resolution. And we finally got the ball moving in our favor. Yeah. He did that. He had a masterful drive down the field. And, you know, when we start getting some points on the board, especially Gabriel Davis got him going, that move made a lot of sense. And I know online chatter was like they should have been going for two-point conversions. Listen, they weren't in that wind tunnel game against New England. They were in Tampa Bay. Yeah. You take what you can give. And the defense finally tightened up things in the fourth quarter because, guess what, they finally made adjustments, slowed Brady down, And Josh Allen took the game upon himself to really try winning this. Yeah. And you know what he did? He faked pass and ran. He took what the team gave him, and that's what he did. He got the ball to Singletary, and actually Singletary was running good routes. So once you have that balance, guess what? Things happen. Yeah. That's why we put up 24 points in the fourth quarter. However, though, and I don't think there's any dispute about this, but the final minute of the game, when the Bills are making their drive down the field— there was a pass interference, no call on Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. Now, I am going to say this. If you're not going to call it during regulation, you cannot call it in overtime. Should have should Diggs have gotten a pass interference call? 100% yes. The replays show the jersey being held. Oh, yeah. Even, I'm a Pats fan, and I'll agree with you on that one. So you can't deny that and then the bills got stuck in a fourth and two situation and i know that a lot of online chatter was they should have gone for it pad if you were the coach would you have gone for it
1: mm,
2: no okay i, I think I, I think you got to you got to trust your defense a little bit which to this point you know at, uh, at the, yeah they gave up a lot of points in the first half but at this point fourth quarter tampa bay had only put up three so i think you got to put a little bit of trust and faith in your defense
0: I agree, and I will also say this. If I was the coach, I would have gone for it if I didn't do it in Tennessee. Sure. Because remember, when they went for it instead of the easy points, Josh slipped, game over, yeah. heard about it for two weeks, yeah. about how the team is falling apart and the sky is you know crashing and everything, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Listen, McDermott played it safe. I don't have an issue with how he called this game, especially in being the final two minutes of this game. I was actually shocked. I thought he actually called it well. Yeah, you first want to admit that, and I think I have to keep that on tape because I don't say that often. So when they went and they got tied, they went in overtime. Bills got the ball back, three and out. Yep, happens. Then we get Brady coming down the field, and what was it? Third and was it third and twelve or something, something like that? Something like that. Yeah. He throws the ball to Mike Evans, and the Bills defender had his hands up. Mm-hmm. Johnson had his hands up. Did not go anywhere near and Evans leaned into the ball i mean the replay was on there the announced team even mentioned it too then they call pass interference Mm -hmm. okay my argument is you didn't call for digs when you saw the jersey being held and there was a lot of contact in that corner of the end zone i understand it's under 30 seconds left in the game but still you have to call it if you're going to call it you can't call that pass interference with Evans when he is the one initiating it and turning his body into the defender to change the route. Mm -hmm. You can't call it. The minute that happened, you saw the Bills break. I hate saying that as a fan, but they broke. Yeah, The spirit broke. Brady knew this, and listen, Brady is the GOAT for a reason. Oh, yeah. The minute he saw that, he was like, you know what? We're on about 45, 50-yard line. Give me two plays. I got this. See,
2: the only thing for me with the Evans one was, to me, that was more of, like, obviously the Diggs one is clear as goddamn day, sure. missed call. To me, the 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 Evans one, though, that to me was like a bang-bang play at first that, like, did they blow it? Yeah. Did they miss it? Yeah, but that's a product of not being able to look in, go back and replay and check and do this and that. Because let's say if they did that in the NFL, the games they could get extended by 45 minutes. You know. But I think that was more of a they, they missed it, but it was bang, bang, You know, quick play. Still missed it, but I think that one was more, I can understand missing that one more than the Diggs one.
0: I, I could I see that point. But what I will say is why are we then New York not stepping in and checking it?
2: I don't know if they can or not. See,
0: see, that's the thing, because obviously we don't have coaches' challenges. So that's – because that's what I was sitting there thinking, like, wait, how are you able to do this and you can't question a play like that? Because I would have. Like, I've been like, yeah, you got to question a flag on that. Like, seriously, you – there is a lot of stuff, and maybe this is just my anger coming out because I've been – Sunday night I was pretty lit about this. not going to lie. This is one of those situations, the consistency of the refs throughout this entire game pretty yeah. much was atrocious. Yeah. And it came obviously out the worst possible times. So now the Bills took the L, currently seventh place in the playoffs. I'll say, hey, you had a running a rusher crack 100 yards rushing. Oh, wait, it was your quarterback. Still, I'll take it because, you know what, at least Josh was smart enough to figure this game out and take what the defense gave him. And for Tampa Bay, like, it's a good win, but I'm going to say something maybe a little hot. I didn't think Brady looked that great in this game. He looked all right. He looked all right, but I think down that stretch. It's, it's a
2: concerning win. Tampa Bay, if, if anything, like it, it's a win, yeah, it's in the win column, yeah, you know, you're set up real nice for the playoffs. But to me, it is a very concerning uh win just because you look at Buffalo and, and the kind of recent history they've had, where okay, you beat you beat Buffalo, but they've been on they're on a two game losing streak now, they've lost that brutal knockdown dragout game, you know, at home against New England, mm-hmm. you know, they blew out the saints 31 to six, you know, but then they got the, the ball ran down their throat, you know, by, uh, Indianapolis, they beat the jets, but again, who hasn't beat the jets, Yeah. you know, and then they lost to Jacksonville. So this is a team that like, should, the game should not have gone to overtime. No, absolutely if, not. If, if all, I, all things considered, I think Tampa Bay should have won. Now, Without taking how the game actually went out of it and all the rest and all the other things, just like on paper looking at it, Tampa Bay should have won this game by at least two scores. Mm-hmm. You know this this shouldn't have been the scenario where you know Tom Brady's in the Atlanta Falcons situation from the Super Bowl. You're up twenty four to three at halftime and you almost fucking blow it. Like yeah. that to me is concerning because Buffalo is good but they're not as crisp as they were the last couple of weeks.
0: No, I'll, I'll give you that too. Brady should have blown them out. Like the fact that he allowed them to come back in the game. I mean, I'm happy as a bills fan. Sure. But I would be scared. Uh, sugarless if I was a, a Buccaneers fan. Mm-hmm. that's a, this is a bad win for them. They should have actually taken the bills out of contention and just actually blown this game out. So that being said, they did get one away with the refs. And like I say, I believe you're right. The they, bills couldn't, uh, question that yeah in that time period see that's how fired up i got i can't even think straight about it because when i'm having my flashbacks i'm getting all amped up because this is the game the bills should have had and we have inconsistency with our refereeing again yeah this is coming back to haunt and this is this was on both sides of the ball oh yeah but this is the thing that you if you're gonna blame something on the refs i blame the inconsistency sure call it both ways if you're going to call it but you can't call that one a non-pass interference. And then on the other side, you have a guy that leans in. The, yeah. But at the same token though,
2: it's like we say with the UFC, like is the refing in UFC or is the judging in UFC shitty? Yes. But that's why you fight in a UFC fight to where you don't need to go to the judges. Oh, you, I agree. Don't leave it in the judge's hands. Was the refing in this game shitty, but that's why you should play better so that it doesn't come down to the refs and the refs can't play a factor in how this game comes out. Oh, I grant
0: you. No, I grant you once you got into overtime. Sure. No, I, I will give you that. But I'm saying the, the digs no call, that was a factor in this game. Oh, I agree with and you. that. And that's yeah. the thing. Had that call been called correctly, different ballgame. Sure. But they took what they got, and the thing is, the Bills should have drove down the field a little better in that f- first drive when they got the ball back. Yeah. I'm not saying you blame it solely on that factor, but I think the that is a factor that's noteworthy of how this game came out, though. That's where my argument is with it. Yeah. So... We'll have to see how the Bills bounce back. Carolina is next on deck for them.
2: Yep, Uh, and then they're up in New England the week after that for Week 16. Week 17, they're at home against Atlanta. Yo, Atlanta coming to Buffalo in January. Yikes. Uh, And then the final game of the season is at home against the New York
0: Football Jets. Well, this is the question mark we have for the Bills. Should we beat Carolina? Yes. New England, debatable since obviously it was close last time. Yep. We'll have to wait to see how things are different in Foxborough. Obviously, the wind is going to be a different story up there. In theory. Never know. In theory. Atlanta should be a win. The Jets should Should be be. a win. So they should go at least 3-4 and on the remainder of the season, if not 4-4. and It all depends, though, on what Bills team we get to show up this week. I think you're going to see the bounce back this week. I think you're going to see – it depends if, if Josh Allen is still in a boot because I know they were yeah. watching his ankle because he took a yeah. bad shot late in the running down the field. Yeah. And he gutted through it because he's Josh Allen. He, that's what he does. Uh, we got the Maserati. <laughs> oh, God. So listen, the Maserati's got to take on anybody. I'd rather him take on Carolina than go to Foxborough. <laughs> Give Josh the week off. I know I'm going to catch a lot of heat about saying this, but listen. Yeah, you are. I don't care. Carolina is that bad that if we can't beat him with a Maserati, we shouldn't be going to the playoffs. And if Josh is in the game, this game should be done by halftime. Score should be like thirty-five to nothing, if this team is a real contender. In fact, I haven't seen the point spread. Give this of my lock this week, Buffalo over Carolina.
2: Mm, let me pull that up. Let's see, I'm pulling it up now. Uh, Buffalo by ten and a half.
0: Done, lock that in, because if this team is a real deal, this is what they're gonna do.
2: Uh, weather forecasting for those of you who are curious uh, for Orchard Park, New York, uh, this coming Sunday is cloudy and 33 degrees.
0: Good. I hope it snows. Whoa. I want it cold. I want it bitter, just like how I am right now. Somebody
2: hit up Jim Cantore. See if we can't make that happen.
0: Oh, do something for it. See, now I'm getting fired up about this because talking about that game is bringing back a lot of those emotions.
2: Football is great when your team is off.
0: Yeah, but when it loses a heartbreaker due to egregious refereeing calling in the fourth quarter. It makes it a little bitter for the week. So we'll just end the segment right here. A lot of football action going on week 14 in the NFL. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your takeaways from the NFL action of week 14? How is your team doing? Are you angry like I am? Are you sitting content? Are you a Patriots fan who's just saying, you know what? We got the bye this week. We're looking okay. Let's have the discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break.
1: We'll be right back.
3: April 1st, 2022 will mark the 10-year anniversary of the biggest professional wrestling bout of all time, and at long last, Julio has agreed to travel into the bowels of the beast that is sports entertainment.
4: In The Contrarian's first-ever Patreon-exclusive miniseries, we'll be deep-diving the complex story of what was billed as once-in-a-lifetime The Rock vs. John Cena. Join us as we cover the fictional and real rivalry that led to the biggest money match in the history of an industry while paralleling the movie careers of John Cena and Dwayne Johnson.
3: Part 1 will look at the careers of The Rock and John Cena leading into 2011, including their early entries
4: in the world of acting with The Rundown and The Marine. Part 2 will see The Rocks return to the world of professional wrestling after seven years away as he challenges John Cena to a match in the main event of WrestleMania 28. We'll discuss the year-long build, as well as the movies that came from it, Fast Five, and The Reunion.
3: In part three, we'll recap the infamous Summer of Punk, the legendary John Cena vs. CM Punk WWE title match from Money in the Bank 2011, and the UFC veteran's foray into out-of-ring acting, Girl on the Third
4: Floor. The Contrarians travel back in time to Miami, Florida in Part 4 for the history-making, record-breaking bout between two of the biggest stars in entertainment and follow it up with the WWE-produced Once-in-a-Lifetime documentary.
3: And in the finale, we'll look at the fallout and legacy of the feud and match, as well as the men's recent work in the world of acting, with 2018's Skyscraper and 2021's Vacation Friends.
4: Part 1 drops on December 20th. Be sure to head over to patreon.com slash Prime today to select your tier. Just a $1 subscription will get you access.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and time to recap some UFC action. Boy, oh boy. UFC 269 took place in Las Vegas this past weekend, and holy smokes, there's a lot of headlines coming out of this one. Uh Uh-huh. So, Pad, why don't we recap the main card, shall we? Yeah,
2: so the first fight you had on the main card was a bantamweight division where Sean O'Malley uh, defeated Raulon Paivea via TKO in the
0: first round. So the Sugar Show is back in full effect. In theory. The guy is the new hype train of the UFC. For now. He's backed up what he's been in the ring with thus far, but we have to put an asterisk by it. hmm Because let's face it, O'Malley still has not faced any real competition in this division. Uh-huh. And that is something we have to remember. Being the 135-pound class, he still is on that borderline 15 rank. Yeah. He is box office when he's in there because he's he's done something which is very tough to do for that weight class, and that has really become a breakout star. Yeah. Whether you love him or you hate him, he's entertaining, and he does what you expect him to do. Sure. He comes out. He'll fight. I know that he had that one fight which had to get stopped because, obviously, he, had, he was injured in it. But this is a guy that you can kind of build up into something if you get him around the right talent. But the question is, who is next for him? Yeah. So, Pat, that being said, who do you got in the rankings?
2: Yeah, so uh, in the Bantamweight division, Aljamain Sterling is currently your champion. Uh, number one ranked fighter is Peter Yan. He is your interim champion. Uh, number two is TJ Dillashaw. Three is Jose Aldo. Four is Corey Sandhagen. Five is Rob Vaunt. Uh Six is Marab Devalchevi? Deval-
0: uh, apologies. Devalchevi.
2: Uh, apologies if I butchered the name uh, Number 7 in jumping up 2 spots Is the one and only Dominic Cruz uh, Number 8 in jumping up 3 spots Is the one and only Marlon Vera uh, Number 9 in jumping up 1 spot Is Marlon Moraes uh, Number 10 in dropping 2 spots Is Pedro uh, Munoz uh, 11 in jumping up 2 spots Is uh, Frankie Edgar uh, Number 12 is the uh, is uh, Rafael Asuncao uh,
0: And then 13 Is Sean O'Malley all right, so Sean's finally cracked in there. Yeah. <sighs> well, this is a really good question. Mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily. I think you got to give him somebody really around that 10-11 like, rank. Yeah, let's say give him Edgar.
2: Give him Frankie.
0: Frankie would be good. I know if they want to try running back against Marlon Vera, that could be something too. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they would.
2: Yeah, no, I don't know, because, like, that's my one thing with with Sean O'Malley is, like, you can hype him up all you want, and you can, you know, blow sunshine up his ass until, you know, he's glowing gold, but, like, until he beats a name, you know, I'm not ready to buy in on it, just because uh, he's got 16 professional matches under his belt now, he's 15-1, and the one loss coming to Marlon Vera, who is a name, you know, Outside of that, he's uh, undefeated. He's won all of his other fights in the UFC, which it's great. He's on a three-fight win streak, and he's knocked all three of them out. But they're all names that I go, wait, who the hell are you? You know. So the one name he's beaten that I recognize. I'm like, okay, hey, you face Marlon Vera, who I know. I'm not the biggest Marlon Vera fan, but I know the name. You lost to him. He knocked, he, uh, Vera knocked out O'Malley, uh, in four minutes and 40 seconds of the first round back in uh, August of uh, last year.
0: Well, that was also due to he took that nerve damage or like, right. he, like he, what it was, an ACL tear? Like he t- it was some kind of nerve slash muscle tear yet. So, I mean, if they want to run it back, I'd be okay with that. But there is another candidate too that i think would make a lot of sense for box office yeah and if this is what you really want to test this kid i think this would make a lot of sense but this ties into the next fight we're going to be talking about and that is involving one cody garbrandt yeah
2: so uh the matchup you're referring to was in the flyweight division where you had kai car france defeat cody garbrandt in three minutes and 21 seconds of the first round via tko
0: so I'm going to be very honest about this. Car France looked like a million bucks. Uh-huh. Cody Garbrandt is in a very, very puzzling situation. I uh, should note this was his flyweight de- debut. Right. Well, you have to face, if you look at the track record Car- Garbrandt's been on. Not good as of late. He's a one-trick pony, but he's a very good with the one trick. Yeah. He can knock people out at any, any moment, too. I mean, obviously, taking the belt from Dominic Cruz, as he did. Yeah is arguably the biggest moment, I think, in the Bantamweight division in recent memory.
2: Yeah, I mean, he was on an 11-fight win streak uh, when he beat Dominic Cruz by unanimous decision in December of 2016. You know, but then he lost back-to-back fights by TJ Dillashaw, who knocked his ass out both times. Mm-hmm. Then he lost a third fight to Pedro Munoz, who knocked his ass out. Uh, then he beat Rafael Sequeo, uh via knockout. You know, that was back in June of last year. And he's on a, currently a two-fight losing streak, losing to Rob Font by unanimous decision, and then getting knocked out by Kai kara France. Like you said, though, he's a knockout machine. Uh, Seventeen professional matches, twelve and five record. Ten wins are by knockout, two by decision.
0: Well, this is the one thing that he does is Garbrandt will box with you. Yeah, that's all he's going to do. He's not exactly well-versed in the MMA realms, and this is not a slight to him. I don't want this yeah. coming across as. But what he does is he will get into fights, and he likes to keep it standing with his hands. Sure. Why not do a catchweight if you want to, if, if he doesn't want to come back to 135, which I think he should, uh, at, oh, yeah. at least for this moment. Yeah. Or if you want to talk O'Malley going down to 125, have Sean O'Malley versus Cody Garbrandt. That is a fight I would make right... I'd make that right now. They were jawing each other a little bit in the pressers. Yeah. Listen, if you want to do this, Garbrandt... He'd be up for it. He'd be up for it. This plays right into Sean O'Malley's domain. Yeah. It's box office. They will hype it up. You're not going to have a boring fight. Barring any kind of wild scenario where O'Malley's leg gives out on him again. Yeah. This makes a ton of sense for me. Because, I mean, Garbrandt, I don't feel is in that upper echelon of bantamweights anymore.
2: No, I mean, I'm looking at both the fly UFC.com slash rankings. You know, I'm looking at both the flyweight and bantamweight division rankings. Cody ain't on either of them. You mm. know, so I don't think you can give him another fight in the fly. Cody might want it. But if I'm Dana, I don't give him another flyweight debut or another flyweight fight because listen, you didn't really do much to thrill me. Why not throw him, you know, this proposed fight and see what he says?
0: I would definitely do it. It, be, it makes a lot of sense because Garbrandt's in that weird scenario where he's a name if he goes to flyweight. Yeah, but then again, take a look at who's in that flyweight division.
2: Uh, you've got flyweight division. Brandon Moreno is your champion. Uh, Davis Figueredo. Figueredo uh, at uh, Askar Askarov, Alexander uh, Pantoja, Alex Perez, Brandon Royval, Kai Car France, uh, Rogerio Bontorin, uh, Matthias uh, Nicolau. Apologies if I butcher any of these names. Uh, Matt Schnell is your number nine. David uh, Dovrek is not Dobrik. David Dovrak, different, mm. different guy. Is your number ten uh, ranked fighter? Eleven is Tim Elliott. Twelve is just gentleman with one name. Uh, Sumderji. Uh, S U M U D A E R J I one name. Uh, thirteen is Amir Al Bazi. Uh, fourteen is Manel uh, Kape K A P E. Uh, and then thir- 15 is uh, Tajir U L A N B E K O V.
0: So what this would mean if Garbrandt stayed at flyweight is they have a name in that division that people know. Yeah. Now, does it doesn't mean that he should be fighting in that weight class. I mean, if he's going to continue fighting the UFC, I think he has to. I don't think yeah, there's an option.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly a name for the flyweight division, and it's certainly a good measuring stick for some of these up-and-coming guys in the division. But I don't know if I'm Cody. I would necessarily want, oh, I'm going to be the punching bag. I'm going to be the measuring stick for these new up-and-coming guys, and it's just going to leave me by the wayside. I don't know if I'm him. I would want to do
0: that. Well, that's the one problem that he's got right now is – You're in a position where everybody knows you're one trick. You're not fooling the audience. And he's taken a lot of tread on those tires. Yeah. As Pat read, most of his last fights have been either he's knocked out or been knocked out. Uh huh. So that tells me one thing. He's standing in the pocket and he's just treating this like rock 'em, sock 'em robots. And we should know next year will mark
2: his uh, 10 year anniversary of professional fights. His first ever professional fight. Now, mind you, I'm saying professional because. Uh, unprofessional, you know. semi-pro not listed on his Wikipedia page. Uh, His first professional fight was in December 29th of 2012. Yeah. So at the bare minimum, he's been fighting professionally for almost 10 years.
0: You have to wonder how much tread is on those tires. Yeah. Because that's the one thing. Like I say, he likes to box. Well, if he's staying flat foot in there and trying to have rock'em, sock'em battles, and we've seen him do this, so I want to stress this. The TJ Dillashaw ones... Are very noteworthy. Uh huh. Where they just stood in the center and just went at each other and just who caught who first. Yep. This is the style he fights, so that's why if anybody's wondering, well, like, well, if he gets knocked out some other way, it's like, no, he likes to stand in there and throw his hands. And in
2: case you're curious, I mentioned the five losses. Oh, what's the trend on the tires like for his losses? Four by knockout, one by decision.
1: Yeah.
0: The
2: man do not doesn't get dragged into deep waters. He just gets knocked out.
0: Yeah, which I mean, it's entertaining for fans, sure, but for longevity and fighting, uh, that style don't last long. It doesn't. So that's where I say, if I'm Dana, I just say, you know what, you guys figure out the weight class and you guys just show up for it. And if if I mean, I think O'Malley will say, just let's do 135 and call sure, it a day. And sure. it, you know what? And, and you know what? If he beats him, then you can catapult him in because you know what? It's still a name at that division for bantamweight. So yeah, that fight makes a lot more sense to me. And I think that that's the one they should go with because if you che- if you keep trying to camouflage O'Malley from your top echelon fighters. Fans are going to get it quick. Yeah, that's the problem you have when you when you have the next big things. Yeah, your Sage North cuts, your Paige VanZant. Yeah. When they came in fighting, yeah, they were you know really put against some stiff competition and they didn't do so well there.
2: If, if you just continually, you know, to use the wrestling term, if you just continually feed them enhancement talent.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're and, not. It becomes like if they're five, six, seven
2: fights in and they've just fought nothing but no names that like even the most diehard fan might not know. Then it becomes kind of obvious what you're trying to do.
0: Yeah. So they definitely got to do that with O'Malley. And, Gar- and Garbrandt, at this stage, I think you do that. And I think yeah. you, I will say this right now if O'Malley beats him, it's Ooh. done. It's done. If he gets knocked out by O'Malley, it's you, it's you, a wrap. You have to consider it. You have to. I, like I say, I hate saying for somebody to lose their job, but listen, if he gets knocked out by O'Malley, like first round, it's a wrap. Yeah. It's done. End of story there. Yeah. Next up
2: Uh, was a welterweight matchup where Jeff Neal defeated Santiago uh, Ponzabibo via split decision. Uh, 29, 28, 29, excuse me, 30, 27, 29, 28.
0: When we talked about this last week, I said this was going to be pretty standard. There was nothing going to be really super crazy to write home about. I mean, Jeff Neal, you know what you're getting with him. Same thing with Santiago. So that being said, they did exactly what I thought they were going to do. It was an entertaining fight. Sure. But. It's not box office. It's nothing sizzle reel. Yeah. It's two solid guys that just went in there and did what they do. Yeah, it's a good bounce-back win for Neil,
2: who was uh, on a two-fight losing streak, so now he's back in the wing column. You know, it is a bit of a tennis match, for, on the other hand, for Santiago. You know, beat Neil Magny back in 2018, lost to Li Jinglang in uh, 2021. Uh, then he, that was back in January, I should say Then on uh, June 5th, he beat, uh, Miguel Beza by unanimous decision, lost this fight, you know, so a bit of a tennis match there.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I say, nothing super crazy and this is kind of what they do. So I wasn't super shocked. And for Jeff Neal, it's going to be kind of like, well, where do we go from here? And Santiago, I mean, they'll bounce back. It's not like this is going to write them off by any means.
2: Well, I mean, I got an I idea of, you know, just looking at the rankings because your current welterweight champion is the one and only Kamaru Usman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Neal is currently ranked number 12. There is a dude at the number 11 rank named uh, Kazmat Chimeyev. Just saying.
0: Well, you know what? They really want to skyrocket Chimeyev. Like, I, that fight would make some sense, too. I, you know, if you take a look at Chimeyev's record mm-hmm. and see who he's fought this is where it's going to kind of get very tricky because they really want to skyrocket him. Yeah. And the only thing with Chimayev is depending on who's available, they really, really, really want to get him in title contention. Like, that's the thing about him. I would say I would do that fight too, but Dana is always very, like, wants him in a special position. Like, it's a lot like Shane O'Malley in the same sense. Sure. Or Sean O'Malley. It's it's just one of those situations where – when you look at who Chimaev has fought, mm. and he fights anybody, like it doesn't matter. Just you show up and you take a look at like his last five fights.
2: Yeah, so uh, he's got a ten uh, professional matches under his record, ten and a uh, record. Uh, he beat Li Jinglang with a rear naked choke submission. Uh, beat Gerald uh M E E R S C H A E R T. Uh, with by a knockout in 17 seconds into the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he knocked out uh, Reese McKee. Uh, that was three minutes and nine seconds into the first round. That was back in July of last year. Uh, submitted John Phillips with the ever-used Darce choke. Yeah. Uh, then he beat... <laughs> Back-to-back Darce chokes. Holy fuck. So this was for the Brave CF 27 card. Uh, this was back in October of 2019, uh, where he beat his opponent with another Darce choke. Uh, and then his fifth fight uh, was against a gentleman by the name of Irkram uh, Gruff, where who he knocked out in April of 2019.
0: Yeah, see, like, it would make sense for Neil, too, but Dana, I don't think, will do it. I think Dana Dana has his heart set on a Nate Diaz fight. Sure. We're, and you know what I think that would make a lot more sense because Chimaev is a star. The Neil fight would be a solid one, and I think yeah. it'd be a real test. But I, you also have to wonder though, Chimaev is just a different kind of animal. Like he is just on a different playing field right now with just how he comes in fights. I think Neil would give him competition, but I, I think Chimaev would take that one outright. It's just a weird situation for Neil though. Like I yeah. say, because he's solid. Yeah, he's not
2: flashy. And so, yeah, he's got 14 wins, 8 by knockout, 2 by submission, 4 by decision. So it's a mixed bag.
0: It's definitely a mixed bag, and that's why I say, like, I could see Dana doing that if there wasn't anybody willing to step up. Yeah. Because Chmeyev is starting to get that Glover Teixeira early debut vibes where people were ducking Glover when he first came in. Sure. Kind of getting that kind of thing with have, so uh, that would be a fight that would make some sense. I I could see that happen in two Pad.
2: Well, say maybe if they don't want to do Chimaev because they want to rocket strap his butt to the moon, you know, you've got Bilal, uh Muhammad at number ten, Michael Chiesa at number nine. So, there, I mean, there's some options.
0: Yeah, we do Chiesa. That's a fight I think I would make because Chiesa is kind of in that weird place too. Yeah. You know, like I say, if they want to have that one again, you know, or do that one, yeah, by all means, yeah. But then the biggest shock, holy fucking of shit, all yeah had break it down so this one was
2: for the women's bantamweight championship where you had the champ champ uh the lioness the possible goat mma women's fighter of all time you can mm. certainly have that discussion amanda nunez was going up against juliana Penna, and both of us on this show check the tape said amanda nunez yep said amanda nunez big that there was no way we saw you know, Julianna Pena being able to beat Amanda Nunez because, as we all know, Amanda Nunez, as much as WWE likes to call Randy Orton the quote-unquote legend killer, Amanda Nunez is the legit women's MMA legend killer. As I mentioned last week, Shayna Baszler, beater, Shevchenko, beater, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, Shevchenko again, Raquel Pennington, Chris Cyborg, Holly Holm, you know, Megan Anderson, beat them all, yep, handedly uh came into that fight you know against uh, Juliana Penna and Juliana Penna must not heard the show because she didn't give a
0: fuck no
2: submitted with a rear naked choke Amanda Nunez at three minutes and 26 seconds in the thir- uh, second round becoming quite possibly you know you can certainly have that discussion and look at the Vegas numbers and come to your own conclusions uh becoming quite possibly the largest UFC upset in history
0: Nunez was a minus 1100. Yo, coming into this Jesus.
2: So if you bet on Pena, you made out some good money.
0: You did. And this, a few storylines coming out of this one. Okay. Okay, first round was Nunez, but Pena did not quit. Mm -hmm. And Pena literally broke Nunez's spirit in that second round. I was shocked at this. Yeah. Like, absolutely mind-blown shock. And this is something that had weird parallels, at least to me, with Anderson Silva fought Chris Weidman.
2: Yeah, okay.
0: This was a situation where, let's face it, when you're the GOAT, and this doesn't tarnish anything from Nunez's record, Hell in my no. opinion. No, no, Nunez is the GOAT, period. Like End of story. Nunez came in this fight, and I think that she was implementing her will at the beginning of this round, round one. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that she didn't break Pena during that was kind of a shock to everybody.
2: Well, and the other thing that surprised me, too, was just Nunez got gassed. Right, she got like towards the end of the because I wasn't able to watch fights live, but I caught some highlights later, Je, and, and I know Joe Rogan and uh, Daniel Cormier were like screaming at the top of their lungs because like, hey, anybody would, just how gassed she was, and yeah. that that was super surprising, you know, to me that I'm like, oh, this is a, this is Nunes who's like gone against a who's who in the women's MMA you know class, like I mean, she shouldn't be
0: gassed. Well, I know that she was recovering from COVID that she was oh, diagnosed okay. earlier this year. Okay. So that being said. That could have played a part. Maybe it did. Yeah. I mean, no excuses for it. Yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah. She was in this fight, and she definitely had struggles with this as well. Because when this fight was originally supposed to happen uh, for August 7th, it was pushed back. Right. Because, like I said, un- unfortunately, Nunez had a positive test of COVID during the pre-fights for uh, scenario for this fight for August 7th. Right. So that saying, it's hard to speculate. Sure. But I just thought watching this fight, yeah, Nunez definitely did not look like the Nunez of old going into the end of the first round, going into the second. Yeah. I thought she definitely was struggling, and I thought Pena simply broke her. Like, it's such a weird thing to say because I don't like saying that about Amanda Nunez. Now the question is, where do we go from here? I know Pena was talking a lot of things at the end of the post-fight. A lot. Mm-hmm. I think there is only one logical answer you have to do, and that's a media rematch. I'm all right with
2: that. I mean, I'm looking at the UFC.com slash rankings. Uh, obviously, Julian Pena is your Bantamweight champion. Amanda Nunez is your number one-ranked uh, contender. Number two is Holly Holm. Uh, and then also, interestingly enough, Valentina Shevchenko is now your women's pound-for-pound uh, MMA f- uh, fighter uh, with Thug Rose being number two.
0: Well, I believe that because, I mean, Shevchenko, we've already said, has been, you know, the... Uh, the silver medalist goat sure, right now because, I mean, she is the queen of her weight class. Sure. She just can't beat Nunez. So now the question is for Nunez, will she come back as hungry the next time? And I think she will because I think that she... Definitely was embarrassed by the performance. Yeah, I
2: mean, I can see an immediate rematch. I mean, I'm looking at Juliana Pena's uh, win loss record and who she's fought. The number two ranked fighter in the women's bantamweight division is Holly Holm. She has not fought Holly, uh, Holly Holm uh, either in exhibition or professionally. So, I mean, that's a matchup you could certainly have if, for whatever reason, Amanda Nunes isn't up uh, for the task. You know, so uh, you got some options.
0: I think there's some options, but I think that's the only one the UFC can make. Uh, it's, it's
2: the only one they should make, but. Barring bizarre circumstances, you know, hey, you never know.
0: Because the only other thing you could do is if Shevchenko wants to come up and challenge for the belt. Whoa. I mean, Julia Penn is going to have a tough challenge ahead of her. And that's why I say. I think you got to give Nunez the benefit of the doubt. Let her make the call. If she's, you know, however soon she can, she's ready to come back and yeah. feel she's ready to come back, you make that fight. I don't think there's any question about that. And then if she is not, and, you know, whatever the case would be that she didn't want to come back and do it, you bump Shevchenko up there for and let her – you will be a champ champ opportunity. Yeah, Pena is going to definitely, you know, have to battle though. I mean, that's going to be the question. Cause now, I mean, she did get the surprise. I mean, the only person that thought she was going to win honestly was her and her camp. Yeah. And kudos to them. Like I said, yeah. I, I don't fault her for that. And for Nunez, like I say, we don't know exactly what was going on. Like I said, the only thing we knew is she was sick earlier in the year. It was yeah. It diagnosis. I'm not saying that that was the defining factor of this. Cause I don't think it was. You never know but got to play a part but but it's a, but it's something that you know we just say for record because now what happens is coming back for this next fight coming up which whenever we see Nunez is I feel very very bad for whoever's standing across from her in the cage cuz I think she's going to come out and wanting to put a statement win on for whoever it is mm-hmm. and as Juliana Pena you need to step up you need to challenge and you need to tell people this wasn't a fluke that's one of the toughest things to do in an upset like this could she do it yes is she going to do it jury is still out yeah i want to see a little bit more from nunez and and her workout and you know her training for this as we come into the whenever the rematch is going to be so that's what i'm waiting to see so that being said though we got one more fight on this card
2: yeah so that was for the lightweight championship uh where you had charles oliveira uh the champ defeat dustin poirier uh via rear naked choke submission one minute and two seconds into the third round
0: oliveira is no choke yo he's fucking scary for anybody that was doubting the man for whatever reason the hype is real. This fight proved it yeah, without question.
2: Yeah, I mean, the man is fucking scary. Uh, in 41 professional matches, he has a record now of 32 wins, 8 losses, 1 no contest. And goddamn, nobody can take him the distance. I mean, the only person in recent history to take him the distance was Tony Ferguson back in December of 2020. That was a unanimous decision win for uh, for Oliveira. Prior to that, the last person to take him the the distance and you got to go a fucking ways mm-hmm. was jeremy stevens on a ultimate fighter uh, a champion will be crowned uh that on december 12th of 2014 yeah and that was a catch weight fight because Oliveira missed weight that was the last person to take him the distance outside of ferguson what the fuck
0: it's absolutely wild just the renaissance this guy's on
2: everything else literally everything else is either submission or knockout
0: He's so well-rounded now. I mean, for anybody that was sleeping on him, the guy is legit, and he's taken on all challengers. Yeah, There's no question about it. Poirier was definitely working in the first round, but he looked a little gassed after that first round too. Sure. Like, he went for broke. Like, it was not like the same as Amanda Nunez a little bit, but he went for broke. And I I was kind of surprised at that game plan. Yeah. But Oliveira weathered that storm. Yeah. And that was the craziest thing about it. So to Mm -hmm. see – Poirier gas out a little bit for that second round. Yeah, Oliveira just stood that test, and, man, I was not seeing that game plan go. And then once he got his hooks in, it was a wrap. It was done. Yeah. So now the question is who's next. I think there's a no-brainer for this one for Oliveira. That's Justin Gaethje. Yeah,
2: I would say he is the current number one uh, ranked fighter in the lightweight division, having jumped up past Dustin Poirier. Uh, So, no, I mean, outside of what, Connor, you know who is fucking talking about because, hey. I get your name and I get your box office, but you're also the number nine ranked fighter. Fuck off. Yeah. Um. Fight somebody else and jump up the rankings a little bit before you earn a title shot. I'm sorry, name alone isn't enough to give, justify a title shot for me. Uh, no, for me, Justin Gaethje is the only one that makes sense.
0: No, G- Gaethje is the only one that makes sense right now. And I know that there is some contenders coming up in that challenge, so this is not going to be anything easy. I do like Oliveira right now, though. Oh yeah, I do I'll, I'll take it if you if you say tomorrow is Gaethje versus Oliveira, I'm taking Oliveira. Olivera is just so well rounded. And the fact that he, if you can hang with Michael Chandler, you can hang with pretty much anybody. Uh huh. And Gaethje is along the lines. Like, I have to agree with Common Man Vinci from Crows Nest MMA. He was saying the same thing. He's like, if you can weather a storm from Chandler, yeah. you can weather pretty much anything. And this is one of the wildest scenarios, too, with Olivera because he can now basically call a shot. Gaethje, that'll yeah. be a great fight. And then for Dustin Poirier, I mean, things are a little kind of crazy, too, because he could easily pick and choose who he wants to fight now. Yeah. I want to say this is a good loss for him because, he, like, for him to not getting this title shot originally because he decided to go for the big money against Connor. Yep. It worked out in his favor. I mean, obviously not getting the belt didn't work out, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, he knocked Connor's ass out twice. Yeah, and you he know it's my
2: doctor, but I it's a TKO.
0: And then here's also the question too. If he wants to run it back with Connor, because you know Connor liked to open that big mouth of his. He can do this. And don't say it wouldn't be box office either. Fourth fight, mm. you know, like I say, just with how it ended last time, you know, you know how things are getting a little crazy
2: there. We with, have fought three times, uh, with the record being two to one in favor of uh,
0: Dustin. Right, it, it, like we shouldn't have to do a fourth one. No, but you know the UFC does. Like,
2: if, if there was a controversial finish, you know. The ref stopped it for some bullshit reason that, like, upon further review, was like, "Oh, hey, you shouldn't have stopped it because that didn't happen." I would get that and I would be like, all right. Let's do a fourth one, but no, like, pour a one-handedly twice.
0: Oh yeah, it's and over. But, no, it should be, but like I say, I don't doubt. I'm just trying to think if I'm playing devil's advocate with Dana. Sure. He likes to get Connor a big fight, even though I think Connor should just fight.
2: Dana would absolutely, listen, no matter what we think, if both sides were like, yeah, you know what, I'd be all right with that, Dana would do it on a heartbeat.
0: Yeah, and you know it'd be box office. So I could see that fight happening, even though I think with Connor, listen, just give him Nate Diaz and call it a day. Yep. Like, why are we even wasting time? You know, like I say, with Poirier, it's, it's kind of wide open too. I mean, he does have some options if he wants to fight. I don't know if he's going to exactly want to go for a belt at this stage in the career. I mean, he's got a lot of tread on the tires. Yeah. No shame in that because the one thing is with Poirier is Poirier's box office. Uh Uh-huh. He is approaching that kind of level of you know when you see his name on the card, you know you're going to get a fight. Oh, yeah. No matter what, he's always going to show up for it. Oh, yeah. So now you can kind of plug and play with whoever you want in that 155 division. Sure. If you want to do a specialty fight with somebody, you could do that. I don't think he's going to go up to 170. I don't want to see that happening. No. Would I see him drop to 145? Not at this stage. I know he used to fluctuate around there. He can basically call his shot, so if oh, he wants yeah. another big money payout and call it a day, give him the Connor fight. Yeah, why not? Or give him Nate Diaz if you can't get that Connor Ooh. fight going on for whatever reason. Diaz would be good. Nate's got one more left on that contract that's yeah. very well publicized. Yeah, that's true. So you know what? Might as well get it done and get it out of the way. And then Poirier beats him right off in the sunset with that paycheck. Nobody would shame you and nobody would say anything.
2: Dollar, dollar bills, y'all.
0: Make it happen lot of headlines coming out of UFC 269, but we want to hear yours. So hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What was your reactions to the results of UFC 269, and where do you think everybody goes moving forward? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
4: This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds, and you're listening to ODPH Podcast. want to go out,
1: no one i name.
0: Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And, Pad, let's talk some local minutes, shall we? Yeah, going to talk some Binghamton Black Bears hockey. Uh,
2: looking at the standings, it took a bit of a slide. Uh, uh, Black Bears are currently sitting in fifth place uh, behind Carolina, Columbus, Danbury, uh, and Watertown. Binghamton has a record of 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, Looking at their schedule from uh, this past week, uh, took a little bit of a hit, as I mentioned. Uh, lost their game on Friday against Columbus by the final score of 7-5. to five. And then lost their game again uh, against Columbus on Saturday by this final score of ten to three. Uh, looking at their schedule uh, this coming week, uh, they've got a game uh, out of town in Delaware on Friday, game time seven thirty p.m. However, uh, this Saturday, December eighteenth, seven o'clock Eastern, they are home uh, taking on the Watertown Wolves again. Game time seven o'clock Eastern. More tickets, uh, more information, tickets, and all that good stuff.
0: BinghamtonBlackBears.com. So let us get into the big base of the week because actually it's been a little quiet week uh, around the sports leagues right now. Yeah. So we didn't want to kind of drag it out and obviously, you know, waste a little time because there is a lot of pro wrestling to discuss. And obviously if you heard 607TWS this week, and you should because we deep dive into everything pro wrestling on there, there is a big event going on this week. The pad is not exactly super psyched up about, but nope. if you are an AEW faithful, you definitely are because, you know, it's time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling. So this Wednesday is AEW's, I, I'm trying to find the word to describe it because it's not a pay-per-view. It's an event. It's an event, but this one has always had significant standing. Sure. And, and that is Winter is Coming, a la Game of Thrones. hmm And this one, uh, I got to admit, there's a couple good matches and a couple ones I'm a little head-scratching about. It, that has been announced thus far. Sure. But this one is something, if you're an AEW fan, you've had circled on your calendar for a reason. And we'll get to that because we're going to break down the card. Yeah. So, Pat, let's get into it. So, the first match we're
2: going to mention is uh, taking place, like you said, uh, this uh, Wednesday. Show starts at 8 o'clock. Uh, is between Matt Seidel and Wardlow.
0: So, i got to be honest. I'm not sure why this match is on the card. Uh, time filler. It is, honestly, because Wardlow has not exactly been in any real big profile storyline. Sure. Obviously, being MJF's super muscle right now, I figured they would give a little more detail uh, to his storyline. But if they want to give War- Wardlow some time, sure. Matt Seidel is a great dance partner for him. Uh, this one should be Wardlow all day. I'm not expecting this to take up a lot of time. In fact, like I said, for being such a big event, I'm actually very surprised this is on there instead of another match. Sure. Got to be honest about it. Next up, though, we do have one that, I will say this, this is one of AEW's better storylines. Okay. A lot of people are not talking about it in the same way as Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa a little bit, which, I mean, that deserves all the storyline time it can get. Oh, yeah. But for the women's division, they have been putting together a great storyline with the following match.
2: Yeah, so this match is between Serena Deeb and Hikaru Shida.
0: Yes, so they have been doing this back-and-forth storyline, a little one-upsmanship here, and this has been completely well done. Just, mm-hmm. you know, Deeb is on her way to prove that she is the best wrestler in AEW, taking it away from Sheeta, you know, collecting the, the big win landmark thing that they're doing now for most wins in AEW. Yeah. And this has just been some back-and-forth storyline. I mean, Deeb cost Sheeta her spot in the uh, TBS tournament, So they have really done a great job with this. And both those women absolutely crush it in the ring. I hope they get a lot of time to work with, especially being such a high-profile match. Mm -hmm. So this one, I'm going to say Sheeta wins, but don't doubt Dee pulling this off. And honestly, this could be a fight forever thing for me. I think both ladies are coming in and definitely are crushing it, and I cannot wait to see how this all plays out. That's how stocked I am about this. All right. Next, though, is a little puzzling if you're not too familiar with uh, AEW because they're doing the dynamite diamond finale. Yeah. What the fuck is this? Okay. So what they've been doing is MJF the best heel in AEW. Such a good heel. Even his parents hate him. Yes. Oh, they do such a good job with it too. It's not even funny. They have been doing this angle like yearly, where he puts this diamond ring, which is huge, as like think of like brass knucks. If yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's been using this to win some matches, and, okay. he's, and he puts it on the line like once every year, uh, and he's okay. now like still defending it. and He wins yeah. it by nefarious means and yeah. all that jazz, and it's kind of like a funny gimmick storyline they have going on. Yeah. So this year, brass he's, ring, diamond ring, I got it. Yeah, he's he's put it on the line again, and he's going to be facing Dante Martin. Now, Dante, you're not familiar with. I know no. this. He is a very big rising star in the company. Okay. Like, usually he's done tag team work, but they've been pushing him as a singles. He's been paired with Leo Rush a little bit, who's come in to be his, like, mentor slash guide. <laughs> My man! Yeah, it's, it's been this kind of, like, weird setup they've had going on that Martin was going to be this big free agent, and then he signed for, like, a week with Team Taz. Yeah. And then during the Battle Royal, because how they determine who's going to fight for the Diamond Ring, yeah. is they have a Battle Royal, last two people stand and get the match. Makes sense. So it was MJF, and then came down between Team Taz, and then he turned his back on Team Taz uh, to be in the finals. All right. So now it kind of comes into a question of, like, okay, who's going to win here? Sure. There is a couple different storylines going on right now. Obviously, one of the biggest ones in AEW is CM Punk versus MJF. Yep. I could see this coming into play a little bit where MJF gets screwed over for the Diamond Ring because CM Punk does something. Mm-hmm. But after the events of AEW Rampage, yep. I feel that Dante Martin is going to be taken out by the one and only Hook, mm. and thus MJF wins. And then you'll have the CM Punk uh, run in after. See, I think,
2: you, I think you're partially right. I think... Somebody from Team Taz is going to come in and shenanigans and try and prevent Dante from winning. But I also think Punk will come in before the ending, and you'll you'll have like it won't be like bang bang like right up next to each other. The moments you'll have one moment where Team Taz comes in. Maybe we'll just say like the beginning third of the match. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody from Team Taz, whether it's Hook or somebody else, comes out and screws dante martin over then but hey he perseveres you know being the face that he is he can he can fight through anything and then cm punk's gonna come out maybe like the latter third you know of the match you know i so i, I think you're gonna see both guys in the match
0: though oh you'll definitely see him involved in like i said especially after the the response that hook got which i want to reiterate listen hook had a great debut in his hometown Let's Mm -hmm. not forget, they were in Long Island when he came out. Yep. Action Bronson song kicks in. He comes down wearing the boxing ring shorts. With the wrestling crowd coming out to Action Bronson, you're pandering. Yeah, like he got a huge pop. And and rightfully so, like I said. Sure, it's hometown. Yeah, get it. I get it. Came in the ring, turned his back to Fuego Del Sol. He came in, did some judo stuff. He looked good. The internet reaction, though, I'm stressing this. Pump the brakes. Mm-hmm. The kid has got potential. Is he the game changer? Is he the fresh new wrestler that we've never seen before? Maybe. Maybe to a degree, but you can't say certified yes. All in. Here's the chips in the middle of the table. I mean,
2: if a guy comes into the major leagues and hits his first at-bat and hits a home run off of Garrett Cole, you know Clayton Kershaw, DeGrom, Scherzer, take your pick, the great starting pitchers, you know, or even, hell, Nolan Ryan back in his prime. Mm -hmm. That doesn't automatically make that person the next Hank Aaron, the next Babe Ruth, you know, the next insert your favorite home run hitter of all time. It's a great story and it's a great start for him, but it's about how you finish.
0: It's not, not about how you start. Exactly. So I'd like to see him get a little more competition. Him against Dante Martin makes a lot of sense because as I put on blogs count anywhere, the odphpodcast.com, parlay points, wrestling blog, we, I do. I said, this is now the prime time. This If you want to consider doing an AEW cruiserweight division, you have the pieces there.
2: Sure. And, and, and it's a good for him because it, it's hard to get past the first reaction. Yeah. In, a, in a first exposure, you can go through the lineage of the wrestling history and bad first experiences and just how it's absolutely derailed that person's career. It's great for him to have a good first start in a good first exposure because with how the Internet reacted. But you got to take it from there and run from it. It's, it's great to have a start. You know, you can get a 30 second start against Usain Bolt. Mm hmm. Odds are you're probably still going to lose because, hey, it's Usain Bolt. Right. But you got you got a great head start on his career. Take it and run with it. Does he have the potential to be great? Sure. Who's to say otherwise? We haven't seen much of the kid. But you got to prove it first.
0: Exactly, because the question now becomes, okay, if he's really the next big thing, he's going to be your next world champion. How's he going to be doing all that judo stuff against Miro? Yeah. Lance Archer? Yeah. Warlow? Yeah. Is there Bonani, like some of your bigger wrestlers? I'm not saying he can't do it, but if you're talking about aesthetics and, you know, perception is reality, it's a tough challenge. This is what Darby Allen I think, faces a lot, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, when it's, he, like, he, it's like trying to watch Jose Aldo go up against, like, Taco Fall in an NBA match. Like, a little one-sided, and I can only believe it for so long.
0: Right, but it's not to say that he's not going to have a bright future. Like I say, he he could definitely, but... But for everybody that was, like, saying, oh, my God, it's it's, it's over. WWE, you know, messed up. You know, look at this, who we got now. Stop. Really. Let's see a couple more matches. Him against Dante Martin should be fire. It should be real good. Yeah. But for everybody, while in the hell out, calm down. Or in the words of Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> relax.
2: R-E-L-A-X.
0: Yeah, you're gonna need to because, like I said, give the kid a chance. I don't want to see him flame out. I really want to see him do well here. Yeah, but then what else do we have on that card, Pad? Uh,
2: so then your fight, your main event uh, is for the AEW World Championship uh, between Hangman Page uh, taking on Brian Danielson.
0: Okay, so Pad, do you know why this is significant?
2: Uh, this is, to my knowledge, and I could be entirely wrong because, hey, like I said, I don't watch AEW. Uh, this is Brian Danielson's first championship match. I think his I think his match previously with Kenny Omega when Omega was the champion wasn't for the belt. It was just a normal match.
0: You are right. But where I'm going with this is this is hangman Adam Page's first real defense with the belt. Uh-huh. He is now in the primetime position. He is AEW's quote unquote homegrown champion. Yep. Their fan base is very supportive of Adam Page, and rightfully so, because one thing that I've always said on the show, I've said on 607 TWS. You take a look at when they had a press conference in Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. Way back when. Yeah. Page was the big guy they brought in. That everybody's like, okay, he's signing with them and you know, we're gonna see how this all shapes up. He is the AEW fan base. Like he is their guy. If the he comes in and he loses to Brian Danielson, there is gonna be a lot of question marks getting asked. Mm. Like, why are you not trusting your homegrown talent to run with the belt? Why are you turning this over to another WWE guy to run your ball? Like, this is the perception that's going to get asked. Sure. We have to be honest about this. Sure. What I feel is going to happen, I think they're going to do the right thing. I think we're going to have a long match, like maybe a 45-minute match. I think you have to. Well, you really have to give the time to really build this up because what they did is, obviously, with situations going on with Kenny Omega and John Moxley, you had yep. to take you know, some of your main event stars out of the picture. Yep. You had to really kind of force this storyline in. They've done a very good job with it. Brian Danielson is a natural heel, which is, I know is a shock to everybody. But when he's like, I got five ref, enough said. He's been tearing apart the Dark Order with Paige's friends. They've done a solid buildup of this. Now is the time for the payoff. So I want to say AEW has done a very good job with this. I have to give them their due about this. But they have to make Paige go over. This this can't be a time limit draw. This can't be wacky shenanigans. This has to be a straight-up win clean. You can run it back later but he has to win this match.
2: Uh, uh, the good thing with this match for AEW fans is there won't be any egos involved. You know, of, oh, I got to look good. I got to look strong. Because Danielson will do what is best for the company mm-hmm. and best for business going forward. Yeah. You know, So if he needs to take a pin clean in the middle of the ring, he will do it. And he will not put up a stink or fight, kick, and scream. You know, oh, I don't want to do it. No, no, no. I'll f- okay, fine. He'll do what they ask him to do, and he'll do what he needs to. And he'll make... You know, if if Page ends up coming out on top, he'll make Page look like a million bucks.
0: Yeah, and I fully think he's going to do it too because Danielson has been on an absolute tear since he's wrestled in AEW. Sure. He's been having excellent matches. Sure. No matter who you put him, uh, put him up against. He has been on a tear. So this makes perfect sense to me. I think you're going to see Page win. And then we can kind of speculate about who he's going to be facing next. Well, and I think you definitely need to make
2: Page look strong and establish him because the diehards, the day one AEW fans, you know, the internet wrestling fans, they know who Page is. But it's the casuals. It's the folks who only watch the programming, who only got exposed to these guys from finding AEW on television and watching those shows that aren't necessarily familiar with who Page is. This this is a good opportunity to establish him with those folks.
0: Absolutely. So I think this is going to be a win. And obviously with winter is coming, the expectations are there. Because last year, this is when Kenny Omega defeated Jon Moxley for the world title. Yeah. So there is some history about title changes happening here at this event. Like something big is going to happen. That's why they really hype up the winter is coming. If memory serves me right, Sting also debuted here for AEW. So this is a very big moment for AEW. So I feel, though, with the short matches early, and I feel they're going to be very short, they're going to give a lot of time to the main event. I'm good with this. I just want a clean finish, and I want Paige to go over. Then we can reset for the road to revolution. Yeah. I'm good with that. Any other wrestling news you want to kind of cover quick? I
2: just got to mention you know, thoughts and well wishes to Jeff Hardy and the situation going on there. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar or might not know, uh, there was a house show last uh, last week uh, or a couple weeks ago now, actually, on uh, December 4th, uh, where he walked out of a uh, mid match, you know, a tag team match. Uh, the following day, it was reported that he was sent home from the WWE Live Tour. And then on December 9th, uh, he was released from his contract with WWE. It's being reported, uh, been reported by, you know, the Sean Ross apps and, and the Dave Meltzers and, and whatnot that it, uh, you know, because there was speculation, because there was video from the event that led some people to believe some stuff. You know, you can draw your own conclusions based off of the video. Uh, but it was, it was reported that, you know, Jeff was asked to check into rehab and to get some help, and it's been reported that he said no, and so WWE decided to release him. Uh, just want to say, you know, whatever's going on with Jeff, good, bad, or otherwise, wishing him well and wishing him a good recovery from whatever he's got going on.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, too, on that. I mean, obviously, he's had a very uh, bad history with that. And I just hope he's getting the help he needs. And I'd like to see him back in the ring at some point, you know, strong as ever. And, you know, maybe, you know, do that final push wherever he's going to be wrestling, yeah. you know, whether it's going to be with AEW or elsewhere.
2: Yeah. And we did get a kind of an update from his brother Matt Uh, Matt took to his Twitch channel on uh, Monday night and kind of addressed the elephant in the room I guess you could say Mm -hmm. Uh, during the stream uh, he uh, repeatedly said that you know that he wasn't worried about Jeff and you know he said that WWE may have jumped the gun uh, in in releasing Jeff Uh, he said quote before anyone rushes to judgment obviously they drug tested him after all this stuff wait until you hear the results of that and when that comes back clean and then hopefully people will feel better about it close quote Uh, He also went on to say they felt like they were backed into a corner because of his history, even though they may have jumped the gun with this a little bit. They made a a decision and it is what it is. Close quote.
0: Yeah. So just our good thoughts and positive energy out to him. Yeah. You know, I'm hoping for the best possible situation and he's healthy and a good place. That's what I'm hoping for. That's the only thing that matters. And that's the only thing that should be the storyline here. Yep. So definitely have to see where he winds up next. So definitely hit us up on those hashtags, hashtag ODPHpod. If you want to talk some wrestling with me, AEW, you want to talk WWE with Pad, you want to talk anything else, 607TWS, Blogs Count Anywhere, 607 Podcast is your place to go to talk some wrestling. We are here for you, and we definitely like to have that conversation. But let's close this show out the only way we can do during the football season. It is locks and leaps time, and in the standings. Man, JT from the East Coast Avengers is hanging on. But not by much, though. He's got Padawan J right behind him. JT's got fifty nine points. Padawan has fifty five. Joey from So Wizard fifty one. Rich from the Three Fat Nerds podcast has forty eight. Yours truly and Evan the Great have forty seven. Coach Duffy forty six. Even though he did jinx the Bills this week, I haven't forgotten about that. I'm not gonna forget about that ever. <laughs> Jay West from the We Get Dub podcast, 45 points. Brian Wayne, Cheers to Comics, 43. MASH, Perfect Week from Hops Geeks News. He had 43 points. He's now one up on Mac East for 42 points. And JVD from the Villains of Man podcast, Perfect Week, 39 points. So, Pad, that being said, who you got for your locks and leaps this week? Uh, so, for my lock, this is, listen, this is low-hanging fruit, but I'm absolutely
2: going to do it. Uh, you've got the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Detroit Lions. Arizona's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, listen, the Lions are bad. Uh, I will give the Lions credit for what they did on uh, Sunday facing the Denver Broncos in the on-field uh, tribute the Broncos did to, for Demarius Thomas, mm-hmm. who unfortunately passed away uh, last week, you know, taking the field with only 10 men, not snapping the ball, delay game, Detroit declined. I do give you credit for that. uh, But I do not think you're going to win this game on Sunday. I think Arizona is going to be able to win that one handedly. Uh, And Malipo was kind of struggling with it until I took notice of one game and one game in particular, because I went, this doesn't seem right. This seems like low hanging fruit. Uh, The Patriots are taking on the Colts on Saturday uh, in Indianapolis. Currently Indy is a two and a half point favorite. Don't get me wrong, Indianapolis is a good team. New England's playing real hot these days, and they're coming off of a bye. Uh, although, so is Indy, so, you know. Uh, but I think New England is going to be able to pull off the upset in that one.
0: I'm with you on the leap. hey Mac Jones and Bill Belichick coming off a bye. They've had two weeks now to prepare for Jonathan Taylor. Ball pressure be damned. Carson Wentz is going to have a rough, rough day. Uh-huh. So it's not to say. Have, I'm going to have red sleeves bearing down on you, Judon. Yeah. I'm not saying I would not mind sacrificing one point if it means the Patriots lose for my Buffalo Bills, but I'm just saying. I I think this is going to be Patriots all day. There is a couple of skeptical leaps in this week's line. Yeah, there are. I'm not saying anything away for our competition, but I know this will be hot and heavy on the chat line after the show, but man, there's something I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. And then obviously my lock, I'm sticking with my guns. I'm not running away. Bills Mafia, it's do or die. We need this game. Maserati, Josh Allen. Whoever else is our third-string quarterback at this stage? Listen, hashtag, hashtag get the tables, get the tables ready. Ten and a half over Carolina. If we lose to Carolina, we shouldn't be in the playoffs. You heard it. I said it. I'm sticking to my guns about that. That all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that of Brian Wolf. He's a guy from uh, Austin, Texas. He is doing some solo stuff. He's now back to doing some online streaming, some concerts. Nice. So if you want to find out more about Brian, where do you go, pad? odphpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over to the music section. Check out everything going on with Brian. Everything going on with Shout Out the Robots, who sent out a message to all the Patreons, letting them know what's going on. I'm not spoiling you guys. Sign up for the Patreon and find out yourself. Check out everything going on with Second Suitor, which rumor has it, I guess I can break it on air, Tyler Reed will be joining 607 TWS in January Ooh. for a very special episode recapping Wrestle Kingdom. Nice. So we're super excited to get Tyler back in studio for that. Also, you can check out everything on Tom Jolu. He's fantastic. He should just go buy everything he's selling because he does fantastic work. Yard Party, Floodlands, all the amazing musicians you hear on the ODPH podcast. Also, while you're at the website, swing on over to the directory where we have links to the ODPH on your favorite podcast provider. Pat, how many links do we have? Like 9,002. Yes, we've added a couple more. We are making sure that we are on your favorite podcast player. So if you're listening to the ODPH and you're like, wait, I don't know where you are, hit us up, let us know. We will fix that problem for you ASAP. Also, swing on over the classified section where you can find organizational link support and Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we are in and friends of the show. And I can't stress it enough. Go check them out for this holiday season. If you're looking for shopping ideas, go support local. Shop small, shop local. It definitely helps out more than you think. So you can find some great businesses to go support there. Also, great independent podcasts. They're in the Inner Circle, the Apollops, 607 Podcasts, and 8122 Productions. Always doing big things. You want a gift for the holiday, center for their Patreon, patreon.com slash 8122 Productions. Give the gift of Diesel. Yes, because the gift keeps on giving, and then some. All of that, the T Public Store, where you want to talk gifts, the Pads Dealing shirts up there. Yeah. We got new designs up there. You want some swag to support your favorite podcast. Boom, it's right there, and chances are. T-Public is running a lot of sales. You will get it for less this holiday season. How good is that? How good, Pat? That's very good. All that, so much more. odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only, Pat, one J. Uh, fuck the Astros, and more importantly,
2: mazel tov to Aaron Judge. Got married over the
0: weekend. Hey, congratulations, Aaron. Yeah. I'm your host, Ken M. Let's go, Buffalo. let do or die time. Get the tables. Let's go. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour.
1: We'll see you next time. Sometimes I lay awake at night Wondering what life would be like If you weren't taken before your time The lessons you taught me Try to remember, try to engage Sometimes it feels just like on the word